Three, two, one. We're back. Welcome back. What's up, everybody? Uh, it's a weird waveform from the can opening, but that's okay. So, today has been a good day. Yeah, go, ahead and tell them, go ahead and tell them what you did, dude. <laughs> to go Dallas ahead and we tell were. them. <laughs> I just bought 96 cans of beer for $40. And if you were to capture that emotion and put it into two words, what would you say? Exhilarating and orgasmic. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I would have chose something like life escalated. <laughs> no. Life elevated. No. That's the Utah State slogan. There you go. Um, I mean, I've had a smile on my face from ear to ear since, a, since this purchase, have I not? That's true. <laughs> that is true. That's true, actually. Yeah. That is true. I did notice that. You know what? You did. You have. Yeah. Yeah. I can confirm that. Yes. <laughs> I taught, I went back and forth on it a little bit because um, the U- Utah State just changed their alcohol law to where beer can be sold at 5% in the grocery stores now. So I went to uh, this combo storefront for two of my favorite breweries here in, in Utah and... Um, they had a huge sell on their 4% stuff. It's a 1% alcohol difference, but it was a huge sell. It was like 10 bucks for 24 cans. Yep. I was like, I'd be high not to take advantage of this. Yeah. I'm just lucky I didn't have $1,000 in my account. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, here we are, and it doesn't even all fit in the mini fridge. It's not even, I mean, a lot of it fits in the mini fridge. We've got 84 out of 96 cans in the mini fridge, but overall, it's been a great day. Yeah. An excellent day. And I'm just drinking Evan Williams Bottled and Bonds. Uh, It's very, uh, I like it. But Evan Williams, it's a fun ride, man. He'll pick you up, he'll spin you around, he'll jerk you off, he'll make you feel right, he'll, he'll make you feel nice, and then yeah. halfway through the night, he'll power slam you into a headboard, or he'll uh, you know souffle you souffle you into the uh, concrete at the playground. Yeah. And the next morning, your head hurts. Yeah. Um. Just but, starts that pile driver action. Yeah. So. Thank you, Evans, for being with me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sending all of these pictures of me being really happy to my friends. Nice. So this is 100 proof, so i got to be a little careful. Yeah, it's 50%, my friend. It's a 50%. Yeah. But it's bottled in bond. This is the cheapest bottled in bond I think you can buy. So for those of you out there who want a B&B, there you go. Evan Williams White Label. It's about two and a half times better than Jack Daniels, so. Yeah, well, Jack Daniels also, I mean, it's Jack Daniels. But. This has a little bit of vanilla hint to it. 
got kind of a. I just sent that picture, those pictures to Richie, and he just said, happy, happy recording. Happy, happy recording. Yeah. It's true, though. It's very I, true. I think this, for under $20, this is the best, I think it's the best bourbon you can buy. So, and if you, uh, you know, if you disagree with me. Then fuck you. Pull up our email, cheapshotdiscussions at gmail.com, and then don't write me fucking anything. Just realize you're a loser. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Don't message me. I don't want you near me. I don't want you around me. You can message me about your, um, this is Dallas. If you guys haven't figured that out by now, you can message me about your concerns about Evan Williams versus JD versus Jim Beam, Elijah Craig versus Uh, Evan Brooks might be a competitor though. That one's better than Jack Daniels too. And it's like $10 for a fifth. So yeah. Yeah, you you soon find out that uh, you know, mid shelf and top mid shelf don't mean jack shit. Yeah. It's just shopping around. Or maybe it's my brain cells have died very slowly and now I can drink anything. I think it's probably the latter thing. It's probably the second thing you said. Because okay. I mean, still like Evan Williams can't hold a flame to Blanton's. I mean, for price per ounce, I don't know, man. I don't know. For the flavor you get per ounce, that's a hard one for me. Really? Yeah. Not for me. Well, now I mean, now you've had a couple beers. Take a sip of that and mm-hmm. give everyone your live... Okay. Your live impression. Because I, I really don't think it's bad for... a. $16 bottle. It's got a heavy caramel scent to it. It is a very caramely vanilla. And I believe it's charcoal filtered. Yes, it is. It's charcoal filtered to kind of take some of the bite off. It's smooth. It's a smooth. It's a smooth one. Um, it doesn't have the spicy kick at the back end. Right. That's what the charcoal filter takes off. I guess... If you want that spicy kick, you get the black label because that's the only one that's not charcoal filtered. Okay. This is the only one that's bottled in bonds. For those of you who don't know, that means it was in a government warehouse and it's regulated. So, and I think it has to be 50% alcohol. But Bur- could, All bourbons do. Do they? Yeah. Um, however, I, I think, you know... Um, how much is that bottle? 15 bucks. It's not bad for $15. Yeah. This is the, this is the best bottom shelf stuff you can buy in my opinion. Um, I've tried a lot of them. For a bourbon, it's very sweet. It is a little bit sweet. And this is quite a bit watered down. There's four ice cubes in it. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems to be pretty sweet to me, um, which is not my. I mean, the sweetness adds the smooth, but uh, it's very caramely though. Yeah, I'll, I uh, yeah yeah. I mean, it feels like you're sucking on a Werther's, <laughs> but I I personally I I like something that's like smooth and it has that little bit of caramel and vanilla to it, but it's got like a 
like a a, a spicy bite on yeah. it too. Yeah. Apparently, we need to tr- we need to get a bottle of Eagle Rare because apparently that's the big Blanton's uh, competitor. Really? Yeah. They don't. They, I mean, they, okay. So there's also with Booker's. I guess there's another brand called Baker's, and I I've never heard of it. But okay. apparently, it's they compete with Booker's, but somehow I don't know if their distribution's higher, so they can put out more bottles, so the price comes down. But it's quite a bit cheaper, and apparently, it tastes better. But I've never had it; I can't confirm that. I haven't either. I have had Booker's, and it's good. It's not Blanton's. No, it's not. It's it's more. It's it's got more of a <clears throat> like a tangy hit to it, like that spicy. Yeah. But Booker's definitely has that like burn on the back end that Blanton's doesn't have. And Maker's Mark is it's eh for me. I mean, I'm not a big whiskey bourbon connoisseur, I guess, but like if you put Maker's Mark and this in front of me in a blind test, I don't know if I could tell you. I probably could based off of what I just I know did. that the Maker's yeah. Mark I would choose that probably cuz it's a little more bitey. It has like that bite to it. Yeah. That's the only reason I would guess that, though. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yesterday was Christmas. It was. You I wouldn't told, have known. You Yeah, you told me, like, Christmas is just another day. Yeah, that's what I told them at the coffee shop, too. They're like, how's your day going? I'm like, just like any other one. I'm just out here. Yeah. Um, And honestly, not having kids... I wish that's what Christmas was. You know, randomly shower me with gifts on the 4th of July. Yeah. I don't need to, like, I don't want to decorate my whole fucking house for, like, spend hours decorating my house and leaving it up for a month for one fucking day. Yeah. And then turn around and take it all down again, which is another several hours of my life spent over one fucking day of the year. Isn't that weird though? Like one day can mean so much. Like people were messaging me that I haven't talked to forever. They send out like everyone just forgets about everything and everyone's nice to everyone for one day. And then the next day it's just back to the same shit again. And that's also part of my problem is like, you don't need a holiday as an excuse to be nice to one another. I would take, I would take that one Christmas day and like evenly split it and distribute it. Yeah. Throughout the, throughout your year, so you can be a decent person most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, twenty four hours. Dude, I'm the same way with like Valentine's Day. I can't. I don't like it either, but you know, I'm I'm married, so I'm obligated to participate because it's expected of me. See, I'm I'm gonna slowly MK Ultra my future wife into understanding that Valentine's Day is bogus. Just very slowly, like just point well, out. Well, I things. might, I might pull out the whole like I spent a lot of money on your Christmas gift. I'm not getting you anything for Valentine's Day this year. Well, even then, it doesn't need to, like you said before, it doesn't need to be one day to show your affection. Like, well, and that's it, true. And I do that. Like, I right, I you buy, get flowers constantly. It's yeah, not like you need a a day to do it. Yeah, like I mean, you've lived with me for several months, and in those months. In those months, I've probably bought flowers for my wife, like, what, two or three times? Yeah. Just randomly. Right. That's what it should be. It shouldn't be one fucking day. It drives me nuts. Yeah. It drives me nuts. Commercialized holidays drive me fucking up the wall. But it's hard. Like, if you're 
if you don't, if you don't celebrate him, you become the outcast. You're the fucking weirdo. That's why I'm on board with this uh, Festivus thing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, like uh, from Seinfeld a number of years ago, the the whole like December you celebrated on December twenty third. It involves an aluminum pole. You air your grievances, eat meatloaf, and then wrestle each other. Dude, and how about it. next year we all just go to Thailand? If I can afford it, I'm down, dude. I would do. I would rather do that. I'd rather just go because I mean, there you can use all the money you were gonna buy here and buy so much more shit. Well, and you can just have a good time. You can have a good time. You can get food that doesn't like you can go on vacation there. I feel like you could probably spend three weeks over there for like six hundred bucks, not including airfare. Yeah, the airfare is the only problem, really. Yeah. Like, so it's like, but I mean, even if you had two grand for two people, you could live like really well for two, three weeks. Oh yeah. I'd be a hundred percent down for that. I oh yeah. I've done the white Christmases now. I can say for over twenty years, and uh, dude, it, it it's amazing to me because like it always manages somehow, like. There was no snow on the ground. Christmas Eve, it snowed all fucking day. Yep, yep. And then we had a white Christmas, and I'm sure everyone was happy about it, except for the people that have to plow the roads. Yeah, they were probably, like, hoping that it didn't. Yeah, because you got to think, like, oh, there's, like, oh, yay, it's a white Christmas. Well, there's 2,400 guys out there plowing the streets that aren't home with their family right now, you jackass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just so you can look out your window. I'd be like, say, oh, that looks it's nice. so pretty. Yeah, good for you. I'm glad you had your white white Christmas. Next time you want a white Christmas, go to what's left of fucking the North Pole. Yeah. Maybe you'll find the big guy himself up there. I don't know. Maybe. Who's eating the combo? Hell down, dude. I'm serious. Yep. Oh, so anything new happened this week for you? Um, I just bought 96 cans of beer, as I mentioned before, <laughs> yeah. and I'm still very excited about this. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, no, man, uh, and I'm not tipsy enough to really get into a full-blown good conversation about anything. Uh, my wife's slowly killing me with the, uh. RuPaul's Drag Race stuff. Yeah. It's a decent show as far as entertainment value goes. But my wife's like binge watching it. And I'm dying on the inside because I've just had too much. It's just too much. It's too much. I have nothing against drag queens. I, I don't. I do, but. And, and in fact, like the show is actually very entertaining. And yeah. I have my favorite like contestants, but it, it's just like when it's every day, like your spouse comes home and you watch this for like two hours, three hours every day for weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm over it, you know. And so I tried to rope her back into watching Star Trek, and she's not on board with that. So. <laughs> I don't know why. Star Trek's a great show. She told me it's really cheesy and corny. See, for me, I can't watch anything if I can't say anything positive about it. So, like, I could sit there and just pick something apart. Hey, no, jackass. 
it could pick something apart, but it's not fun for the other people enjoying it. So, what about that episode I showed you that was like Snake Plissken in a dress? It's the same. Hilarious. I have nothing but pity for these people. That's. I thought that was fucking hilarious, personally. I just can't. I can't do it, man. I go. I props to you. I can't. Can't. You have to have an open mind, man. Mm. It's not that, dude. I'd rather write in my journal or some shit. I don't want to. Yeah, see... but you said you expressly have something against drag queens. I do. What? One, they're commercially exploiting their sexuality. Okay. Two, I don't like them. Why? Because I don't. I'm not sexually aroused by them. I'm not either. I'm just yeah. I'm not sexually aroused by a man in a dress. Right. But it doesn't mean that I, I don't. I mean, I don't have anything against them, but I'm not going to spend my attention caring about them. It's like I don't watch gay porn. I have nothing against gay people. True, but I mean, like this is um, specifically like a, it's like more of a show that's about. Uh, like they're competing against one another for right. like through different tasks and stuff and that part of it's really interesting to me but let me ask you this would you rather watch that or a bunch of men molding axes and then throwing them at shit probably the axes me too me too but and, and that's what i'm getting at. i don't even watch the axe stuff most of the time i don't watch a lot of shows so for me it's like it's got to be it's got to be amazing. Like Breaking Bad was amazing. Better Call Saul, amazing. Uh, Lost, fucking loved Lost. I want, I want something I can get invested in, and then when it's t- torn away from me, like I, you feel I, a sense of loss. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like there was that was this thing. Like Prison Break was kind of the same way, even though it kind of sucked ass seasons like four through five or six or whatever it went to. Prison Break was pretty good. Um, there's a couple of shows that are like, I feel are very artistic, not autistic, artistic. And, um, okay. So for me, the one show that you're talking about that probably gave me a sense of loss and it, and it's just because I, I literally watched this thing go downhill. Yeah. Um, over the years and I just couldn't bring myself to keep supporting it. Uh, but is supernatural okay? Supernatural is an excellent show, especially if you're into like the whole like paranormal monsters and stuff like that. Excellent, excellent show. Um, up through season five, season six is kind of a, a low point. Season seven, it picks back up, and then uh. Like, about season eight is where they started losing me. Because it okay. just started, like... It started making a hard turn, and you you can tell that they were just grasping at straws for material. Because yeah. the way the original show is written, you can tell that season five is supposed to be the last season. Right. Like, you can tell. Right. But it had such high ratings that the, the network kept it on and kept it on and kept it on. And, yeah. And now it's just kind of fizzled out into this, like, piece of shit. And... It's yeah, really it's weird. Unfortunate it, it sucks. They do that. Hollywood's really riding on current things right now. Like the fact that 
they're not there's not really any new movies that come out it's all remakes or sequels and it's it drives me crazy that's why i'm not big into entertainment right now in that sense same with music i I just it's all the same shit over and over and over again there's no new original stuff there's no indiana joneses there's no uh there's no like movies that are like brand new that people are breaking it like excited to go to the theater for it just isn't happening now and the ones that are happening are marvel movies and for me, I'm just not into it, I guess. <clears throat> so the Marvel movies are really entertaining. They've got great entertainment value. Yeah. But um, I think it, it's also just kind of a fad right now as well. Like, it'll switch. I saw a, mo- a trailer for a movie called The Gentleman while we were at the the store slash tavern. Oh yeah, that one actually looks pretty good. It's made by Guy Ritchie. I love Guy Ritchie films. Yeah. Every that... Guy Ritchie film I've ever seen, I've just been absolutely in love with. That's got some big names too. Yeah. Most most of his films do. Yeah. Like um every Guy Ritchie film I've seen has had either Jason Statham in it or uh um God, what was that other guy's name? Uh, he's a, I think his name's Dylan Moran. Uh, he's a British comedian. Okay. And uh, just really excellent stuff. It also had uh, Charlie, which you might call it from uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Oh um, yeah, yeah, Char. Uh, yeah, Charlie something. Hem- it's not Hemsworth. No, it's not Hemsworth. He's definitely not a Hemsworth. Um. I think that one, does that one have Pierce Brosnan in it as well? Or not Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig, James Bond. That's... Um, yeah, Sons of Anarchy, also a great show. They made a spin-off series on that. It was a piece of shit called Mayans. Again, writing off the success of another thing, and it's annoying. I'm sick of it. Jax Teller. Played um, by Charlie Hunnam. Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. And, uh... So yeah, like Charlie Hunnam's in it. Charlie Hunnam's in a couple of other uh, good, good films uh, too. Um, back before he was like really, really well known. Um, uh, what's the name of it? It's about like uh, I think it's called like no, that's not it. Yeah, that's uh, Charlie crew. Hunnam, IMDb. I'll find it there. Yeah, he's a pretty good actor. Um, I I thought Sons of Anarchy was phenomenal. It was, it was a great show. I thought it was up there with Breaking Bad. Yeah. So, um, let's see. I'm just going to pull up his IMDb. Sorry, guys. Because uh, this is an older movie. It's about a soccer like team rivalry in England where they're like actual gangs. Oh, okay. And I don't want to watch the Witcher Netflix thing. That just popped up, guys. I just don't want to watch it. Yeah. So let's see. He's, He's in Children of Men. Yeah. That's yep. a great movie. Green Street Hooligans. That's the one I'm thinking of. Excellent movie. 2005. Yeah. Um, Cold Mountains. Decent if you... Uh, if you like kind of like these 
weird um romantic like drama dramas uh but yeah uh green street hooligans mm-hmm. excellent film excellent film um it's got elijah wood in it as well Dude, The Witcher, they're just jamming that down people's throats, huh? Yeah. Did you know about The Witcher? It was a book series. Yeah. And did you know that the video games, they actually went to the guy and was like, can we make a video game about your stories? And he's like, yeah, I don't care. I don't want any money from it. And uh, Really? Yeah, no, The Witcher 3 came out and did all the success, and he's like, no more. No more. You're not doing this anymore. Huh. He literally just let it go for free. Yeah, if if you guys ever get the opportunity, though, watch Green Street Hooligans. It's got a really low rating on IMDb, um, but that's just because uh, it's probably because someone got me too, didn't it? No, it, it it's because people can't appreciate it. Yeah, um, but it it I mean it's got a seven point five. That's not super low, but it it's English. I mean, it's a British film. You just have to be ready for that. But it is an excellent film. Snatch, excellent. Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels, also excellent. Oh, shit, a girl messaged me. Hold on, let me read this for you guys. You son of a bitch. You didn't wear a condom, and now you have a son. Okay, that's for later. Thank you. Anyways, guys, uh... Yeah, sorry, my wife's texting me. But yeah, like, um, so Charlie Hunnam, he's been in a bunch of stuff before he was uh, Jack's Teller on Sons of Anarchy. And they were excellent movies. Um, There's one that he's in called The Ledge. Uh, Very obscure. Uh, Most people have never even heard of it. And it's about this guy... um, who's being forced to jump off of a building mm-hmm. in order to save someone else's life. And it is, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing film. I don't know, man. You guys got, Hey, anything that's not a Marvel movie, I'm on board with 2011, the ledge. And guys, when Scorsese came out and said that Marvel movies weren't film, I almost orgasms at, in that moment in time. Because I think they are entertainment value. Oh, yeah, they're but entertainment. They're, they're not film. When I think film, it's artistic projection. Which is why you'd like Guy Ritchie stuff. Yeah. It, even Christopher Nolan had a very dark undertow to his, um, his films. Scorsese is incredible. I like most of his films. Uh, even Qu- Quentin Tarantino... Yeah. Even though his his films are weird and gory. Yeah, I mean, but all of them are good. Yeah, there's no I don't know that there's any amazing directors up and coming besides Jordan Peele. I thought Get Out was actually really good. Get Out was very well done. Um very well done. But yeah, Guy Ritchie, if you're good looking for like um good like artistic quality Guy yeah. Ritchie's the way to go, man. What was the... Uh, do you remember the Birdman that came out? Yeah. 
wasn't it filmed in one scene? Like the whole thing just transitioned down hallways and like it didn't cut. I can't remember. I know um, there's quite a few scenes like that in uh, Inglorious Bastards by. Uh, that was a Tarantino film, I think. By Tarantino. There was an original Inglorious Bastards that was made like a really long time ago. Yeah. Like back in the 60s. And then Tarantino did his version of it. But there's uh, there's one scene in it where it's like all shot in one yeah. long thing. But yeah, like so some Guy Ritchie films for you. Uh, we've got um, The Gentleman. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, The Man from Uncle, uh, Sherlock Holmes, let's see, Revolver, Swept Away, Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, excellent film, excellent, like, look up Guy Ritchie, please, you will not be disappointed, especially if you're the kind of person that likes some um, English humor. Yeah. Um, Because there's a lot of English... Like, they're tense movies, but there's a lot of English humor in them, He looks English. He looks like he just had... Oh, no. He's definitely straight up. Like, he looks like he was grown from the ground beneath Stonehenge. Looks like he had tea with Prince Henry and then went to the red carpet. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how he looks. Yeah. He looks like he's just like a fungus from Stonehenge that became sentient. Yeah. He looks (laughs) like he plays cricket with Daniel Craig. Yeah. Yeah. Great director, though. Children of Men, excellent film. Like, I don't know. He's just a great guy. Um, have you ever seen Children of Men? Uh, possibly. I don't remember a lot of films um, and stuff. So it's it's like uh, set up in a world where all female humans have law, they've become sterile. Okay. There hasn't been a single child born in the world in 29 years or so. Or like okay. 19 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like humanity's going extinct by default. Like they're just sterile and they can't reproduce. Yeah. And so it's about like that's the time and that's kind of like the situation everyone's in. But uh, there's a woman that becomes pregnant and they're trying to smuggle her to like... Uh, humane research facility yeah and that's what the movie's about but it's like just there's just like complete chaos just like fighting in the streets okay um all the schools are shut down like because kids got old and they left like they left first grade right and there was no new first graders so there's like one scene where they're going through this abandoned elementary school and it's super fucking creepy like (laughs) And you're just like, oh, my God. You know, and you're, like, thinking to yourself, because you're used to this, like, how things are today. You're like, they say it's, like, the middle of August or September or something in the film. And you're like, where are all the kids? And it's like, there aren't any. Yeah. And it's just fucking creepy, dude. Hmm. That's an, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a very good movie. I think it's got Michael Caine in it. Michael Caine. Yep. Michael Caine. His website's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got a website. He's got his own website. 
It's got a picture of him and a picture of him getting a haircut. And that's all he fucking has on his whole website <laughs> of his gallery. He has like a gallery of... Um, there it is, michaelcain.com, the third one down. <laughs> this fucking guy doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, go to his gallery. Look at that, dude! <laughs> you got two pictures. It's him playing, de- uh, fading from himself into various different roles that he's played. And, and then, one, then getting a fucking One haircut. picture of him getting a haircut back in what looks like the 70s, maybe? Yeah. Based on the quality of the picture. This website's fucking gold, because no one goes to it. <laughs> and it looks like a 90s. Dude, my favorite thing is, is when you click on the... Uh, yeah, that's the, that's him in uh, Children of Men right there. That's is that character. when he was playing Jimmy Seville? Well, he looks like Jimmy Seville, but he's actually just playing a pothead that's like trying to live out the rest of his life in peace. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, the thing I love about this website is you go to gallery. There's a back to the top button over two pictures. Look at that. This is back to the top. Oh, that's gold. <laughs> gold. Uh, yeah, so that's that's fantastic. The last okay. thing he did anything was 2004. Yeah. But yeah, michaelcain.com, go check it out. Yeah, he's uh he's an excellent actor too. Like excellent. Okay, so he was in the military. The Queen's Royal Regiment. Yeah. And the Royal Fusslers. Fusiliers. Fusiliers. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I mean, like, I I can't get over that, dude, that gallery. The fact that there's a back to the back to top button next to it. Yeah. I mean, like, there's two pictures in the back to top box button or link is almost higher than the pictures are. And he's with some <laughs> he's with some broad that's like fifty years younger than him. Yeah. He's like, look at look at Don't my, give up on love. Look at my wife. Don't give up on true love. Your your mate may have not been born yet. <laughs> oh man. So I uh read a very interesting piece out of uh Oh shit, where was it? It was either Bloomberg or one of the financial institutions on uh on the media hold on guys yeah financial he's got to grab me one of my 96 beers that i bought it's a glorious day and the projection is the economy keeps going the way it does by the end of next year mortgage rates could be under two percent really meaning imagine getting another 700 dollars off monthly payments for your mortgage now, to put that in perspective, you could buy a two hundred thousand dollars house, and it's just over a six hundred dollars payment at that point. Yeah, like that's fucking huge, dude. Yeah. If that keeps hap- if this keeps happening, it's gonna be a very good year. I I would love to be able to refinance like that. Um, because with the way Liz and I are right now. Especially with me getting ready to get out of school and actually be able to hold a job that's worth actual money. Yeah. Um, if we were able to cut our 
payments down by another five or six hundred bucks, but keep paying yeah. what we are now, mm-hmm. or even what we were initially, since I'll be working. Yeah. Um, that'll be that'd be huge. That'd be like a rapid payment of right principal because I. I look at my statements from time to time and it's like somewhere in like the 95 percentile goes to my prince uh, to my interest and yep. the principal. Right. And it fucking, it's killing me. Yeah. It's like for the first 15 years or so. Yeah. It's yeah. It's split 50, 50 basically. Yeah. So each month, like you pay a little more to principal and a little less on interest, but it's still, man, yeah, it's, it's fucking brutal. And right. You look and you're like, oh, I'm giving 20 some like $2300 a month to this organization. How much of it's going to the principal of my my home? Oh, $200. That's yeah. nice. Good <laughs> like, 8%. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we have a decent rate on our mortgage too. I think we're at like 35. Or something, yeah, you know, like, and these are the lowest mortgages have been for a while. They just hit; they're going down still since you guys resigned. I mean, now they're pushing two point eight percentile. They're pushing. I know. I'm getting calls and stuff, and I'm like, dude, I just refinanced in September because it's like re- refinancing or signing on for a mortgage in general is kind of like it's a risky thing, right. especially with uh, everyone having uh, just. 10, 11 years ago, the financial collapse. Yeah. <sighs> and and that being in everyone's mind, it's like, is it going to continue to get better or is this the best it's going to get and I have to get in before the bubble pops? I don't think... Um, so that's one of the interesting things in the whole smokescreen in Washington right now is because there there's significant progress and i mean uh like china for example we just passed a trade deal with them we actually made an agreement right and long term that's going to continue to just keep piling and piling and piling to the end consumer and if uh if the gop gets what they want they can get the business tax rates down to 15 percent over i think they signed finally at 20 percent uh is what it passed when when Trumpo got into office, but if it gets down to fifteen percent, we could see interest rates low as low as one point five percent. And imagine that on on mortgages, yeah, which would be insane. That'd be incredible. It it really would be incredible. But um, is it sustainable? It's sustainable so long as more money is coming into the country than out, and that's that's one thing. Uh, that is beneficial about this presidency is he's kind of used his platform as a marketing platform to bring other countries in. I hope continually presidents after this one go around the country and incentivize other companies to come into the United States. Japan's doing a lot more business here because our our business rates are so cheap. So a lot of Japanese businessmen say, oh, we can move to America and save money. So they do that. Yeah. And if we get more of that, it's sustainable. It's just, it's, it's a long process and there's so much shit going on, but it's looking good from even this article, which is, was a left, left kind of leaning news uh, outlet, news outlet. 
very optimistic because uh, I mean we were told that market was going to crash last year or the year before, and it still hasn't. Continual growth, uh, and not only that, but the money that we're taking in is a lot more too. So it's yeah. it's it's looking really good for everybody right now. So if I mean if you can get a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage for six hundred bucks a month, how many more people can afford? To actually own a home. Yeah, and then not take up 25% of their income or more. Yeah, because I forget what the p- poverty line equation is, but um, it's supposed to take that into account. It's only supposed to be like X percent of your annual income. It should be like 30 to 33%. Whereas right now, any apartment you go to, I mean, a one-bed, one-bath is going to run you at least 1000 Right. In Salt Lake. So, um, according to a 2017 federal poll, um, the number of persons in the household determines the poverty line, and it's different for the greater 48 Alaska and Hawaii. Um, The poverty line... For a standard family of, like, let's say four, would have been $24,000 a year annual income. Which is incredibly, like, there's no way. You can't survive. No. Um, Like, you take just rent into account. If it's $1,000 a month, that's $12,000. That's that's, that's 50% of your annual income going to just live in a space. And then you have $1,000 a month to provide for four people after after paying and, that. and you have a car probably that, that doesn't that, even if you didn't have a car that takes into account gas electricity uh internet uh, some sort of streaming service you have to have at least one of them i think like um probably you're assuming two of those people are children so yeah you have to pay for school yep yeah and uh that yeah. doesn't take into account taxes no that's just gross so take away like 30 percent of that yeah it's 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 nuts yeah and and no so the um let me actually uh pause this for a second i'll go ask liz so uh i just spoke to liz and uh she said because she's a she's got her master's degree in social work and so she she had to study all this stuff for her graduate degree um but she said uh, that the poverty line back when it was first determined is noted as the thrifty food plan times three. So the, th- the thrifty food plan is going to your local grocer mm-hmm. and buying the generic of everything, lowest priced brand there on everything and never eating out. And then you times that by three. Oh wow! Um, That's a hard thing to do, huh? And, and so, so, um, and back when it was first calculated, the uh, expense for living was the same as your monthly food allowance. Okay. So it was like, uh, it's like. If you spend $300 a month on food, your housing should cost $300 a month as well. Right. Sort of a thing. 
and it's and it's not anywhere close to that now. She she even brought up what we were just talking about when I asked her the questions. He's like, even in an apartment, what people are spending about at least a thousand dollars a month. Who spends a thousand dollars a month on food if they're not eating out? Right. It's true. Probably it's true. nobody. Bodybuilders. That's it. Yeah. People that can afford to do it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know what I would go do? If I could afford to do it, I would go get sushi every day. Really? I'm not a big sushi person, but I could get behind it for the health benefits. But I was listening to a bodybuilder who went to sushi every day. He spent like three grand a month. And he was getting mad at his wife. He like didn't know where the money was going. Really? He's like, where's the money going? She's like, you should go get sushi twice a day. And he did the math. He's like, oh, I do. <laughs> it was like three grand a month. Jesus. Yeah. Like $50 per time, $100 per day times 30. That's three grand. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's not okay. No, it's not. I mean, if you're making a shit ton of money, like let's say 20 grand a month, I can understand that. Sushi seems to be an okay habit. It'd be better than burgers or. Well, here's my thing though. If he. Was this? I'm assuming this guy's like a professional level bodybuilder. He's retired now, but he used to be. Yeah. Um. Why couldn't he get like the sushi place just to sponsor his meals? He probably could have back in the day, but since he's retired, it's. I mean, he. They have the money. They have all these supplement lines. They make multiple tens per thousand a month. Yeah. So when you're making like thirty, forty grand a month, they probably don't even think about it. I mean that's true, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, you know, if if that's the route you're going, and you start winning competitions, you could probably go to them and be like, "Dude, I eat you here every day." Well, that sponsor my meals. Bodybuilding doesn't pay that well, so the money that they put in versus what they get out isn't that great. Uh, it's still not really a mainstream sport. The best in the world only makes six hundred grand per first place. Only six hundred grand. But I mean, compare that to an average baseball player or yeah but because i mean i think uh, bodybuilders pave the way they're the innovators for the diet no other sport finds out about the diet trends until bodybuilders find it out bodybuilding is the only sport that you have to diet 360 it's the only sport you play 365 days 24 7 it's the only sport okay i'll give you that um how, however, it's again, it comes down to sponsorship. The reason why they're able to pay baseball players $14 million a year is because the Yankees aren't just the Yankees organization, they're the Yankees sponsored by Ford, Budweiser, Coca Cola, yeah, whatever have you, plus yeah. a, probably a handful of local companies in the New York area. And they can, they can, uh, Drive ticket sales. They can actually get turnouts. Exactly. Bodybuilding's so, not really marketed that way. Yeah. So, and neither is climbing. Right. So, for, for me. They're in the Olympics at least this year. Yeah. So, like, with with climbing, like, you look at it and you're like, you, you got these guys that are sponsored by Prana and you go and look to buy a pair of Prana pants and it's like $70 for a pair of pants. You're like, Jesus Christ. You know? 
But you got guys like Alex Honnold. He's got a pair of Prana shorts that he's had duct taped together for four years. Yeah. Like, yeah. like they gave it to him back when he was starting. And he's a huge name now. And he's just like keeps using the same stuff except for shoes. He probably burns through shoes like a motherfucker. But uh, like so it, it really does come down to that sponsorship aspect. Like yeah. if you want people to get paid more money more more people have to be willing to dump money into the sport itself right you know like bodybuilding is getting there it's surprising how big it's become since just i mean even 10 years ago it was viewed as a cult gay sport and now it's actually like the rock was the gay sport oh yeah were there a lot of gay bodybuilders no it's just kind of a public conception it's how the public perceives the sport because i mean you have a bunch of grown men going up in thongs and posing their bodies in front of people so for Hmm. the general public like i see it as artistic the general public see it as culty i honestly if i got the opportunity i don't know if a bodybuilder could do this but like strike a pose long enough for me to like sketch them I would love to have that opportunity. Yeah. I don't know if they'd be able to hold the pose that long, though. No, not... Probably not. not. I mean, it depends on the pose, but if you're doing, like... Like, what if it's, like, one of, like, the... If you're talking about, like, the old school, like the... Like the classics? Yeah, like the classic poses, that's fine. But, I mean, most of the bodybuilders now spend 45 minutes a day doing uh, posing routine, which is, like, doing your like front double bicep or like your lat spread or whatever. And the amount that they're flexing and paying attention to like, okay, make sure my glutes are engaged, make sure this is engaged, make sure this is poking out. It's, it's a lot of mind uh, muscle connection is what they call it. It's being able to be conscious of what you're flexing for the aesthetic appeal of it. Yeah. Well, and I don't know it. To me, that's somewhat admirable because that's, in my mind, that's a form of meditation. You have to be completely in tune with what you're doing at the time. Right. Like nothing else can exist in your mind. Right. And it's very similar to, is like bonsai trees, right? It's, it's very similar in the sense that it's a conscious effort to balance aesthetically how it looks, being able to change things and evolve. It's being able to implement different things to evolve in the way that you want to evolve. And that's what's fascinating. And that's why I like it a lot. It's not just about being the biggest you can be, even though that's what bodybuilding's turned into. It used to be about aesthetic pleasing, like pleasing to the eye. It's, it's having With like Frank Zane and stuff like that. Yeah. It's having the, the good lines of just looking at someone and being like, they look like a statue. Um, that's where it's lost its way. It's become big get big 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 and before you know it you have these 320 pound guys up on stage and it's like it's not good for the sport if it was back in the arnold era i think it'd still be more popular i think if it was more about the aesthetic pleasing uh like pleasing to the eye it would be way more popular but sadly it's gone extremely downhill and there's some big movements coming up that are changing it but yeah, these big guys are disgusting. So I have a question for you. Yeah. When it comes to those big guys, you have like Hjalthor 
Bjornsson or whatever. Yeah. Um, who's a power lifter. Right. And powerlifting is a recognized sport. Right. It's in the Olympics. Yep. These guys will lift Atlas balls that are like 150 kilos. Right. Um, how, how do you think, um, like, w- would a bodybuilder be able to do that as no. well? No. No. Not at all? No, because it's, it, it's uh, uh, hypertrophy. Okay. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Hypertrophy versus strength training. So a lot of these power lifters are fat as shit. They're not, um, their cardiorespiratory and cardiovascular system are not in shape. They're designed to pull as much as possible. A lot of them, I mean, they're, they're swole. That's the term swole being big, uh, but not necessarily in shape. Okay. And that's where I put power lifters in because they, they're completely different and bodybuilders aren't healthy either. The sense, I mean, being sub 6% body fat is not healthy. Um, being around 15% body fat, which is about what I am now. Like if I look at, like I can faintly see veins and like very faintly, that's apparently what you're supposed to be at to be healthy. But modern society tells me that i'm fat still right yeah if you're not if you don't have the chiseled six-pack you don't have the obliques visible you don't have the chiseled jawline you're not in shape um so bodybuilding suffers from the same thing it's definitely not a healthy sport especially with the implementation of growth hormone and insulin um and anyone can buy insulin which boggles my fucking mind so these guys are using insulin they are and the dangerous thing about insulin is if you don't get a, if you don't spike your blood sugar right after injecting, you're going to go into a fucking coma. Yeah. Yeah. And Hypoglycemic many, coma, yeah. Many bodybuilders have gone into comas and died because they haven't eaten carbs right after uh, insulin injection. And anyone can buy it at Walmart. You can go buy a non-generic brand of, uh, or a generic brand of insulin for like 30 bucks a vial. I could go right now and do it. It's the most anabolic steroid you can put in your body. And no prescriptions are required to purchase this? Nope. You can go to Walmart and just go up to the pharmacy and ask for insulin. They'll sell it Buy a bottle of Humulinar. Yep. And you're good. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, And that's kind of the weird, it's kind of a strange thing. Because with with me and my schooling, they're like, you need to be careful with your fucking insulin. Right. There's so many types. Right. So many. Yeah. And there's, you've got your rapid acting versus your like intermediate acting, long acting. Right. Like, you know, if you, if someone buys a bottle of Glargine and they shoot themselves up, they're, they're probably going to be okay as long as they continue to eat throughout the day because like the peak affect of that is like 12 hours. Now, do you know right? if it's a, uh, so, if insulin is attached to an ester, like steroids, so like an acetate, I'm not sure about that. I don't okay. think it is, because literally, like, insulin's just used as like a, kind of like a key to a lock. Um, if you think of like the sugar in your blood, uh, and it's like moving around, um, and there's all these doors to get in the cells, but the sugar doesn't have a key. Yeah, the insulin is the key. Okay. So, uh, ghost dick. Yeah. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> uh, so it, it's like insulin's the key to the lock to open the door to let the sugar in. So if, if uh, your body's like naturally producing insulin, it produces it as you need it or releases it as you need it. Yeah. Um, but like if you're diabetic and you have to use insulin injections, then you're using that to counteract how much potential sugar you have in your blood. Right. And uh, you're you're basically just opening up the pathways to use the sugar as fuel. Mm. Whereas, like, if you don't, then your blood sugar gets really high. Yeah. And your cells don't have fuel anyway. Like, right. So there's all this fuel available, but there's no way to access it. Gotcha. Um, but if somebody that's perfectly quote unquote healthy, like a normal individual with a normal functioning pancreas shoots themselves up with insulin, um, that's a bad day because you add more, you, you add more keys. So you open more doors and now you've depleted your fuel source and yeah. There's nothing to power your body at that Yeah, point. you literally need to have such a high-carbohydrate diet for ins- especially bodybuilding recreational insulin use. It's it's one thing that they actually teach in medical school and nursing school is like if you're working in a facility and you come across a, a nurse yeah. or like a doctor or somebody that is unconscious on the ground, what are you going to do? Well. Right. First, I'm going to check their blood sugar because insulin's a common modality of suicide amongst healthcare professionals. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a common modality of suicide. That's crazy. Like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, like I'm treating my patients. So I've got this one guy, he's diabetic. He needs, uh. He's on a schedule to have this much insulin per... How much insulin is a typical dose? Uh, Depends on the blood sugar, but I I usually don't drop more than like four or five units at a time. Okay, so like four I use? Yeah. Okay. Um, So say a, a nurse is or a doctor is like really depressed and then they write an order for insulin or get an order for insulin... Uh, for this diabetic patient, and it's a, like a rapid acting or rapid onset insulin, right, to counteract high blood sugars, and they like take the person's blood sugar, and it's it's one seventy, and so the dose calls for two units. Okay. So they go pull their two units, but the they pull two units for the patient, and then five for themselves. And then they go and they give their two units to the patient, document it, and inject themselves. And within a half hour, they're gone. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's honestly, like, that's the kind of shit that happens. They slip into a coma? Yeah, like, die. Yeah. Within within an hour or two. So, um, like, insulin is not something to be trifled with. The fact that people are using it... For bodybuilding, tells me that like some of this bodybuilding stuff is a, a a mental problem. It's a disease. And and recreationally, they found that insulin is 
safe so long as you keep up the carbohydrate intake. But and sadly, it, that information's not. But the thing is, is like, if you're a person, okay, your body produces insulin. Right. Like, period. Like, it just does it. And yeah. um, there, there's no need, unless you're diabetic, to take any other form of insulin than what your body creates. Sure. Because... Like, I don't care if it's, like, oh, it's recreational. No, like, it's it's not, it doesn't work that way. It, it's not going to give you a high. It's not going to, like, it it will fucking kill you if you don't know what you're doing. And, right. um, to so me. So, basically, it, it helps. So, insulin helps carbohydrates get processed faster or assist in. Uh, well, yeah, it, it basically, it increases the metabolism of sugar. So, if you think of it from a bodybuilder's perspective, where they're eating 800 grams of carbohydrates per day, which is a shit ton. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to do that and inject insulin, the high that comes from that is not so much a mental. It is a mental high in a lot of ways, but it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a high like a recreational drug. It doesn't distort drug. you. Like it doesn't distort your mind. I think it may from a, um, body dysmorphic perspective see and that's what i'm getting at is like i feel like a lot of these big time bodybuilders like ronnie coleman phil heath jay cutler they Uh probably have some sort of level of body dysmorphia absolutely yeah and um if you're if you're resorting to uh the use of insulin to help you get through this body dysmorphia yeah like that that's a fucking problem that's really dangerous i think it's more the competition side of them and if you're doing it from um competition side like the bodybuilding side seek a physician's help if you go to a physician and you say i'm going to do this stuff regardless more than likely they're going to help you um and that's that's kind of the the biggest thing is that a lot of these guys go into it and pump gh or insulin a lot of guys pump gh one uh iu a day and growth hormone is expensive as shit um so they start pumping this stuff and then guys speculate online and they say oh they use this much steroids these many steroids and it's usually three to four times as much as what they're actually taking because no one wants to do the ground work no one wants to do like when we went to the gym and did legs and we did those assisted ones and it's like hold it as long as you can and let it drop. No one does that shit. Hardly anyone does that shit. Okay. So they'll jump to being like, okay, I do my little 30 minute workouts, like 10 sets of easy weight for or uh, 10 reps, four sets of easy weight. I'm not getting bigger. I don't understand. So they'll jump to I or uh, growth hormone or insulin. IGF-1, bunch of peptides, and they won't understand the uh, the ramifications of that short-term as well as long-term. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, even using insulin as a, say, as a bodybuilder to try to get the edge on your competition can turn yeah. you into a diabetic. Yeah. Because you're, you're injecting this stuff synthetically that your body is supposed to secrete naturally right right 
and your body's like, oh, I'm getting this from a different source. I can shut, shut down, down my al- my alpha cells right, and my beta cells, and now I don't have to use them anymore. Right, and that's why they have to... I mean, they, they've gotten it down to a science. That's where the term bro science comes from. Yeah. It's just a ton of uh, experimentation from these guys who've gone through it. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, as far as real life use, a lot of bodybuilders know more about how it affects them than a lot of doctors do because there's not a lot of studies that go on. Um, so it's a weird, it's a weird paradigm between these guys that are doing bro science and scientific well, studies. Well, cause scientific study, especially when it comes to humans, like I've, in the best of circumstances, you probably have 10 years before you're able to open up a drug for um, study on a human population. Right. It has to go through clinicals and, like, rats well, and ferrets. and You have to go through, like, rats and then, like, ferrets and then, like, chimps, unfortunately. And, like, and then eventually you can open it up to clinical trials, which is human trials. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but... If anything goes wrong along that chain to get up to human trials, you get set back set back to the previous step. Right. right. So I mean it's just it's it's um so I see where you you are saying like these guys are probably more in tune, yes, with themselves, but right. the overall population yeah. they cannot be a authority on it right and it's it's a weird thing to explain somebody who's done androgenic and anabolic substances real shit testosterone and uh d-ball is what i did and uh i don't recommend doing it i'll just tell you the doses the dosages that i did i did 500 milligrams of testosterone per week distributed it into two injections um throughout the week and then i did i think i want to say i did up to 30 milligrams of d-ball per week as well or maybe it was per day no it was per week see and i don't know and what you're supposed to take in that right so the natural human produces like 125 to 150 milligrams of testosterone and anthate per week is enough to like that that's what a normal man should be at. So it's taking a lot more than that. Okay. So basically you start developing all of these I guess side effects, you get bloated. Um but the mindset is the weirdest thing. So you get to this point of being like you truly view everyone else as not efficient. Hmm. So you get to this point of being like Oh, I want to go to the gym. I'm going right now. You don't have this second thought of like, I don't really feel like you don't have that. Like you, you genuinely want to be as competitive as you can at everything that you do. And when you come off of that, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like being a Superman when he becomes Superman and then going back to a human when you come off of it. So it's this mental high. It's definitely a high, but it's a long-term high that you build yourself up. And if if this is me normal and I go up and this is steroids, I acclimate to this being my normal. And then when I come off steroids, you never experience that high again in life, period. Interesting. You never get this sense of like, 
I'm happy. I'm in this good spot. So that's why if I could take anything back, train naturally for your first five years. And once you've reached your genetic point of being like, this is how much muscle my body can develop. If you're going to go, if you're doing it for your career or you're doing it for uh, competing, then that's something you should talk to your doctor about. But the fact that everyone's going on drugs now, a year into training, I mean, I trained, I won't say his last name, but I trained Chris. Okay. He jumped on, he jumped on shit a year into training. Really? And he struggled big time, big time with being able to just train naturally because you know what that feels like when you're not training. Right. Um, it's like if you were, it's like if you drank alcohol every time that you had an interaction with another human being and that's all you ever knew. From when you were a kid, you drank and went and talked to somebody and you just feel comfortable in that sense. But then when you come off the alcohol or don't have it, you feel crippled. Like, I can't talk to anybody. Right. It's the same thing with steroids, only a long period of time. Three months is typical cycle. That's interesting because I know the high you're talking about. I think I kind of reached that when I was uh, training myself. But I wasn't on anything. I was just like my, well, myself. And take you know? testosterone. So think that mindset that you had and times it by three or four. Okay. That's how you would act on steroids. Steroids don't make you roid rage. They amplify any emotion you're feeling. So if you're a really nice person, genuine person, you're going to be more genuine. You're going to be more nice. If you're aggressive and you get like maybe you can hold yourself back from saying certain things. If you start taking testosterone times whatever your emotion you're feeling by four, you're probably going to break through the level and be like, you piece of fucking shit. Like I had no problem calling people out and I think it drove a lot of people away because I was so confident in calling people out. I didn't ever think it was going to result in violence, but at the same time, when you're in that mindset, you're kind of like, you have this such an alpha mentality of, of like. I can say what I want and it has no repercussions. And if it has repercussions, fuck it. Like it, it, it just puts you in this completely different mindset, different paradigm. Um, so yeah, I definitely don't recommend it. It's the same thing with drinking. If you haven't drank, don't drink. If you've never done steroids, don't fucking do it. It's not, it's not worth it. Long term, short term, you're going to gain 30 to 40 pounds of muscle in a couple weeks you're going to feel like you're on top of the world. You're going to get female attention. Um, it's not worth it, dude. Long term. Sounds like you kind of miss it, though. There is a part of me that looks back, and primarily because it gave me the motivation. Uh, I could go to the gym two hours a day and love the whole time, and the time would fly by, and like, oh, wow, I've been here two hours. So it kept me uh, – it did keep me going – to the gym constantly. It, it kept me occupied. I didn't drink alcohol as much. I didn't have as much need to because my drug was going to the gym, getting the pump. And, and when you get a pump on steroids, especially D-ball, when you're doing like bicep contractions, every contraction, it's like tight. Your muscle just feels tight. feels like uh, it's so hard to explain. Um, but it's a high in of like by itself. It's definitely a high, and it's uh, it's one of those things that, yeah, I don't know, man. It's hard to explain without experiencing, I guess. I, I feel that way about running. 
Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, because I, I mean, I used to run all the time. If I try to run now, I feel like I'm gonna fucking die. Right, but, but when you're in shape and you get past that like three mile mark, and your body goes into an oxidative state of getting energy from oxygen, and you get that runner's high. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Yeah, it's different. It's completely different, and you're like, I could do this all fucking day. Yeah. And, but nowadays it's like, no, and I, I want to get back to that point. Um, naturally, of course, I, I don't want to, I, I'm never going to fuck with, uh, steroids. Or <laughs> well, like I would that. say this, if I would get your test levels tested, cause if you're, I, I think anyone who can be on TRT, who needs to be on TRT should be on TRT. Just to bring your test levels to where they should be throughout your lifetime, which is a very small dose. It's a very small dose. Um, but for anyone, so I'm I'm gonna tell you something though. Okay. Yeah. Like I go into my doctor. Okay. Uh-huh. I go into Doctor Clark, and I'm like, I want my test levels checked. He'll be like, oh, you're too young. You don't need to worry about that. See, that's where you need to go to a urologist, I think. Um, primarily because they, they specialize in, in male hormone. Um, so, a, a, and my doctor gave me that pushback too because I had low test levels. And I went to a urologist and they said, yeah, you have very low test levels for your age. But as long as you're willing to pay it, they're going to do the tests. I sadly went to a family doctor and they looked at my levels and they're like, they're in the normal bracket. Um, but that bracket also tested from people from the age of 20 to 59. Exactly. And uh, it's it's not accurate. So urologists are the best bet. Um, yeah. So, and, and that I think that's an issue with a lot of that kind of stuff is like, because the way the American healthcare system is, is for insurance to cover things. You have to go through your primary care provider first. Right. And then there has to be a, a recommendation to go up right. to a specialist. specialist. So it's like for me, do I want to get back to where I was? Yes. Yeah. Do I want to spend $4,000 to do so through like getting tested and being like, oh, you are on the low end here? Well, I think, dude. If you want to skip all that shit, just go to the U of U for a urologist because you don't have to go through a, uh, you don't have to get recommendations to go to specialists there. They'll just allow you to bypass. I know it. a urologist. Yeah, I would say just go to one to get your test done, and if they say, "Oh yeah, you're low for your age," and they put you on some testosterone synthonate or whatever, or even some cream, and you feel better, uh, like what's the loss? I don't know, man. I I think the biggest imbalance nowadays is. Because we all look at hormones and we're like, oh, it doesn't really affect me. But eating all of the fast food that we eat nowadays and all of this shit mm-hmm. that boosts our E2 levels, um, like gynecomastia is a common thing now. Didn't used to be 30 years ago. Um, and that directly correlates with the amount of estrogen in our bodies and a lot of the pesticides and preservatives they put in food boost those levels to points of of uh suppressing testosterone and suppressing testosterone especially in men leads to like this depressive attitude or kind of like this 
uh, fuck it attitude. Like I don't care about anything. Uh, and women don't really experience the estrogenic side effects of fast food as much as men do. So it's, it's a, it's a bizarre thing. I think it's fascinating as shit. I hope more research comes out about it, but all I know is a lot of people's hormones are out of whack and we don't do shit about it. Most people don't anyways. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I guess just what I was saying is it, it's really hard for most people because they can't afford to just skip straight to a specialist at a state hospital. Right. Um, yeah, it's a gatekeeping well, process. Well, and they, I mean, gatekeeping or not, like, if, because uh, I went and I, I talked to my, I, I talked to my primary care provider, so I'll throw out another situation for you. Um, and he's like, and I, I have to do like my physical, annual physical or whatever. And yeah. it's like, what is your family history with this or that? And I'm like, well, you know, my grandfather died from colon cancer. Yeah. And liver cirrhosis. The liver cirrhosis was because he drank himself to the point of having it. And so I'm, I need to be cautious about that. But the colon cancer thing, um, like that, that happened in two of my, it happened to my great grandfather and my grandfather on my mom's side. And my mom had a few polyps show up last year. And so I went to my doctor and I was like, I want to start getting screened now. Yeah. You know, and he was like, well, you're pretty young. And I was like, I have a family history. Like right. that's, that's enough of a link for me to be worried about it. Yeah. I've got three generations. Right. Right now that have the big, the big C attached to my gene pool. Right. You know? And so he, he pushed me up to a, um, like a specialist, uh, a proctologist or whatever they're called. And I went and met with a proctologist. Didn't even look at me. Like came in, asked me a few questions, was like, you're too young to worry about this. Right. And told me to go away. Yeah. And that was a specialist. Yeah. And I'm like, don't tell me I'm too young to worry about this. My mom's only 20 years older than I am. Right. You know, like, the fuck is your problem? It, it, I mean, you put it perfectly before. It's about the money. They don't care about preventative health. They care about solving problems. Yeah, like... And that really upset me. He's like, oh, like, you know, just come back in like 10 years. And I was like, no, like that's, I have a genetic tie to this specific type of cancer. If a woman were in here asking to get screened for breast cancer and her great grandmother had breast cancer, her grandmother had breast cancer and her mom had breast cancer, you'd be all, all in. Yeah. You'd be checking for it right now. Right. And. I don't know. That just really pissed me off. Like, yeah. really pissed me off. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I I don't really know where to go from here, but. Yeah, no, it's uh going to any doctor and hearing, 
the like you're too young thing. I mean, I, I it's like yeah, I, I'm I'm young. I'm like 30 years old, but I'm not healthy. <laughs> you know, like I I definitely am not like considered healthy for my age right. or my height. That's kind of why I prefer DOs over MDs. Uh, I think it's Doctor of Optromony or something like that. DO instead of a medical doctor is that they look into the totality of your whole body working together. And they're concerned about the whole... uh, Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine. Yeah, I trust them more than MDs. Because MDs are kind of there to put duct tape over the, pro- over the problem, and DOs are there to make sure the body's working in a, as a whole system. And ODs or uh, DOs don't typically make as much money. Uh, yeah, they're kind of viewed as pseudoscience people. But I've dealt with enough doctors to know, like, I have a shoulder problem. I spent thousands of dollars trying to figure out what it was. And they would do a test, and they're like, good news, you don't have any tears. Like, well, it's not good news. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. So um, so it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things, and I think there's, there's a big resurgence of people right now. If I were to say, like, in 2019, people between the age of 18 and maybe 35 understand this really well is that the current medical system isn't looking at the totality of... Like the total person. Yes. They're looking at how to make a profit. And and I agree. Um, Did you ever watch that movie Escape Fire? Yeah. Yeah, that I told you about? So that that outlines the problem perfectly, first of all. But second of all, like, you know, there there was a woman I was in nursing school with. Um, She was in my class because she got held back. Um, from the previous semester because she had medical issues mm-hmm. that held her back. And then she got held back in my class another semester because of medical issues. And I was talking to the class after me, the one that's a semester behind me, and they're like, Megan found out she had cancer. Yeah. It took them over a fucking year to even look at that as a possibility. Right. By that time, it had metastasized. It had spread from her stomach to, like, other parts of her body. And it's like, this person's coming in with you. And it's like, I know the old adage of, like, if you hear hoof, like, hooves, think horse, not zebra. But there needs to be somebody on that panel that thinks zebra. Right. There needs to be somebody that is like, okay... It's clearly not horses. We need to start looking at zebras. Right. You know, like, it, it, it fucking pisses me off, dude. It pisses me off beyond all, like, comprehension. Like, yeah. The only reason my wife is still here right now is because she had a psychiatrist that was in tune with with her and listened to her and thought of zebras instead of horses. Right. Yeah. Like, he tried one thing and was like, oh, it, I think it's this. He tried it. It didn't work. And he just jumped to the big guns immediately and was like, we'll figure it out along the way. Yeah. But we're going to jump to to this. And then we're going to put the pieces together as we go along. But we need to make sure you're stable right now. Right. And 
physical science or physical medicine doesn't work the same way. Like you can't do that with somebody with cancer. Like, oh, I suspect you have cancer. I'm going to start you on chemotherapy. And they've done one round of chemotherapy and it comes back that they don't have cancer. That's like bullshit. But just like moving beyond that mindset of like, oh, um, you're getting sick often. Uh, we think it could be this. Let's check out this. Or you could be in pre-diabetes. No, you're not in pre-diabetes. Well, um, you know, like, and and they leave this like horrible diagnosis screening till the very end. And it's like, run that up front. Just run it all up front. Yeah. Figure out what the fuck's going on. You know? Yeah. Two weeks versus uh, six months is a huge deal when it comes to stuff like that. I honestly think MD tra- or medical school in general should have a huge, I would say 50% focus on nutrition. Just, I mean, the, yeah. there's, there's the old saying of you are what you eat. And that's a hundred percent true. The energy that you take in is the energy that you expend. True. And for some reason we've taken this like, like, Oh, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm going to have this big biscuits and gravy breakfast tomorrow. And, uh, but they say I have all these problems. I don't know what that's from. Like without food, we wouldn't exist. So the food that we take in no, it makes us a new person. Yeah. It definitely plays a part. Like the cells you have growing in your body right now to replace like even your skin cells. Like I, I don't know what the ratio is, but you lose millions of skin cells a day and you replace millions of skin cells a day. Yeah. Those skin cells are being made up from what you ate like a week ago. Right. You know. Somebody put it really well to me is that, and I think I talked to you about this. I think um, lack of protein intake is huge in in modern society. Because if you take in like Chinese food, right? It's a very clean form of food. You, There's an old saying that says like if you eat Chinese food, you'll be hungry an hour later. That's what you want. You want foods that are constantly like processing quickly through the body but if you have a big italian meal it has it's very high in fats as well as carbohydrates so the fats actually suppress hunger so you may not want to eat again for another six hours the whole idea of a three meals a day is not it's not a healthy it's not a healthy thing you're supposed to eat more it's supposed to be smaller portion meals throughout the day um, but it's become harder over time with nine to five jobs and school and all of these things like, right. well, I'll just get an energy drink in the morning and then I'll maybe have a muffin later or so you're not getting in the protein that you need. And I think that's the primary cause of a lot of problems today. Right. Because, uh, yeah, protein is is huge. It's it's probably the most important car or uh, nutrient. I think proteins and fats are more important than carbohydrate. Carbohydrates are fuel source. Um, there's no nutritional value to carbohydrates. So if you're taking in a lot of breads, pasta, sugars, anything carbohydrate, and you're not expending those carbohydrates, you're going to get stored as fat. They're going to get built up as glucose and and stored as glycogen. Um, but anything over that's going to get stored as fat. Yeah. And that's kind of what saddens me about modern society is that no one cares about nutrition. They care about, oh, once it catch up, once, you know, once it catches up to me, I'll worry about it. But 
Yeah, no, and and that's why when I got my blood work back and the doctor handed me a printout of my blood work, yeah, I was like, oh, I know what these numbers mean. Right. And I, I saw, like, I'm not even out of the normal range, but I'm on the high end of normal with, like, my triglycerides and LDLs and stuff. Uh-huh. I was like, I need to get that shit in check now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and I'm sure the drinking isn't helping, and... Um, I, I'm trying to, I really am trying to be a lot better about that because, uh, like I, I would like to reduce my alcohol intake to one day a week. Dude, even if you, cause if your LDL is high, even if you took in four eggs, whole eggs, not just egg whites, whole eggs a day, four eggs in the morning, I think it would balance out cause H or, uh, LDL being elevated, um, the egg yolks have a direct correlation with balancing HDL and LDL. Um, and that's something I personally experienced when I started doing the 12 eggs in the morning and night. So 24 eggs a day. Jesus Christ. And they told me my cholesterol would go through the roof. And when I got it tested, it was balanced. And they were like, holy shit, I don't understand this. Um, and it's just, it may be just for me. Uh, yeah, it could everybody's be. different. Right. Um, but for me, it worked extremely well to balance out my levels of, of just increasing overall cholesterol because HDL and LDL, there's not really good or bad cholesterol and they're not technically, they're not both cholesterol, high, high density lipoprotein and low density lipoprotein. There's just cars to take cholesterol to the destination. Right. And, um, when I increase my HDL from intaking whole eggs, it balanced out my LDL because I don't remember if high density or low density. I think high density takes the cholesterol to the cell and low density retrieves it. So if you increase high density for the LDL to catch up, it balances out. Um, but for me, that worked. It worked really well. Um, but it, it's important to get your blood work done, I think, too. Um, at every, least every, once a year. At least once a year. I would even say every six months, maybe even three months if you can afford it. I, uh, at least until I turned 26. <laughs> well, I, I would say um, once a year is good. Uh, yeah. And I, there's a, here's, there's another thing out, out there about like preventative medicine, Kay. Like um, you, these high school biology classes and shit we're forced to take don't talk about really how to take care of yourself right yeah like oh what what did we all learn in high school biology how to dissect a fetal pig and mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell right right teach people about their blood work like we need to start teaching people younger in their in their teens about like what normal physiological process in the human body looks like this should not be a college level class right um because uh when they go to the doctor and a lot of people they have health care but they never go and like i i can tell you like there's dozens of people <coughs> i've worked with over the years they have health care that covers an annual visit but they never use it Right. They're like, oh, I'm only going to go to the doctor if I feel sick. They never go. They never take that one day off to go check up 
and have their blood drawn and and everything. They never they never take that time. But that's such a huge deal because if we were able to implement this like understanding at a younger age of how like physiology and what normal blood chemistry and stuff looks like. Yeah. And then also get people to do their annual screenings, the overall health of the country would probably go up. Yeah, that's my biggest uh, – because I'm, I'm very – I mean, you know, I, even though I'm not really living it, living it now, it, it's a huge passion of mine um, for overall, like, knowledge of health and implementation of health. And right. I want people to know this shit. I think the first step in that is separating the workplace from health insurance. I don't think you should have to have a job to be able to get affordable health care. True. I think you should be able to go get your blood panel done for $10. Absolutely. Um, and see what's out of balance and also know how to read it. You should know what your testosterone level should be at, your yeah. estrogen level should be at. You should know this stuff. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is like we need to take that college level physiology and bring it down to like an 11th grade class. Yeah. Right. I agree. It, it needs to be more widespread because like – you have all these high school students that graduate and they know about the anatomy of a fucking fetal pig. Yeah. Or whatever, because they got to dissect one. But they they graduate high school and half of them are like, oh, I'm going to go into computer design yeah. or, or this or that. And they never go back into another health class. And they don't know how their own body works. I think elementary school should be mostly focused on taking care of your only vehicle. Your body is your only vehicle to get through life. So first through, first through sixth grade should be like about taking care of yourself, being able to um, put yourself in a position that you can achieve a long-term success rather than eating yourself to death and dying when you're 60. You know, we just need to open up our own fucking colony somewhere, dude. <laughs> Probably. I mean, like, we, we really do. Um, because... I mean, there's some stuff I disagree with you on, but there's also a lot of stuff, like, especially education-wise, I agree with you about. Yeah. And I'm I'm all for, like, like our education system hasn't changed in over 100 years. Yeah, it's weird. Like, and it's, I mean, we're, we're just a degree mill in this country right now. Yeah. And that, like, degrees are great. But if you don't know how to take care of yourself as a as a person, like if you don't know, um, if your doctor hands you blood work and outside of seeing the H or the L or whatever and the comparison on the sheet of like what's normal and what isn't, uh, like if you don't know how to read that and what that actually entails if you are high or low, yeah, that's a that that's a big fucking deal, dude. Right, it's it's a huge deal because you know, like I I look at my cholesterol now as it is, and I'm like, okay, I need to start combating this now because if I don't start combating it now, fifteen years from now, that's heart failure. Right, that's um COPD. That's this. That's that. That's the diabetes. In, whatever. Yeah, increased risk for. Uh, thrombolytic diseases, you know, like you, 
and so if you, you have that base understanding, I'm not saying everyone needs to go through nursing school or medical school, but if you're able to explain on a basic level to high schoolers that this is what your blood work should look like and this is the signs of an, a healthy person through their blood chemistry. Right. And if it's out of whack... A plus B equals C sort of yep. a thing. Yeah. Like, then they're able to look long-term when they are in their 20s and 30s, and they have a rudimentary knowledge of, like, okay, so I got my blood work back, and my AST is high. Yeah. I need to figure that out. Right. I need to start working on that in my 30s, so when I'm 50, it doesn't turn into a problem. Personal accountability. I think it, that's where you and I really uh agree a lot on is is freedom of the individual yeah um yeah and i mean like you are free to continue to eat yourself into oblivion yeah absolutely i mean but i i I don't think that would happen as much as if we gave people the tools to understand what all this shit means right yeah i agree 100 percent. you know because no one like no one wants to i Talk to a person with diabetes and see if they want diabetes. Right. They they don't. I think know? it's more so a lot of people don't have a reason not to want those things. I think that's what it comes down to in my personal perception. Like, like they There's just no don't care. incentive to keep care of yourself because they have nothing better to look forward to. And that's a lack of self, a self-discipline and uh, maybe lack of self-value. And I think that's primarily the biggest thing we face nowadays is that people don't really value themselves as anything. Um, and everyone can contribute to something um, as long as it makes you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it makes you uh, accountable for yourself. Um, yeah. And sorry, we're trying to use tactical hand signals here and it's not working Sign out language. I'm an expert. yeah Caden works with deaf people you'd think he'd know how when someone's asking for something i know how to say merry christmas you go okay that's well that's great merry christmas that's great yep um worked there for over a year <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah as i i mean like real really as i open up another beer i'm sitting here talking about getting healthier but like i don't know i i think to an extent you're you're right because there's no incentive like for me part of part of it is i've just lost my drive to do so yeah you know and i think part of my drive before was already being in that way and being able to look at myself and be like look at what i've accomplished I think but as you get older and for where it is for me now, the self-motivation has to be towards others than myself. If I focus on, I want to get better so that I can help other people or that I can be there for my grandkids or whatever, that's more motivating than self-centered. I want to get better for me. Right. Um, and it, it's, it's different for everybody. Um, but that's that's my perception as where it stands now is that it's for other people. I don't couldn't give a shit. I mean, I I care about myself because my I'm my vehicle. I'm my own vehicle. 
without my body, I can't go and do the things I do. But the whole reason we're doing this podcast, I mean, the reason I do this podcast in hopes that my voice, if it can reach 10 people and they can reach 10 people and they can reach 10 people, that's thousands of people. Right. And that's what's more gratifying for me than anything else right now. Yeah. The 10 to the 10th power sort of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said for that. Um, But... I also feel like change in that aspect definitely needs to come within. The person needs to want it on some level for themselves. Yeah. I think that's why... Like, I want the best life possible for my wife and whatever children I'm going to have eventually. Right. But, like, I... Honestly, like, I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's a it's a mindset thing. You have to look at yourself as an asset, I guess, when it comes to those things. You have to look at yourself as, like, an asset. Like, I take care of my car because that car gets me to and from places I need to be to better my existence. Right. Yeah. And it, it needs to be the same way with my body. I need to view my body as an asset versus just, like, this thing carrying around a brain that's like semi-depressed all the time right so (laughs) yeah well i think uh how was i gonna say had to do with contentment because i think contentment is important um in being happy where you're at because i mean right now dude we're sitting at a table talking into microphones like that's the coolest fucking thing ever and 10 years ago i would have been killing to do this Really? For ten, sure. Just ten years a, ago, I wouldn't have even considered this as an option. Well, sure, me. but I wouldn't have either. But at the same time, I can sit here, not worry about bills, sit here with a friend and talk about shit. And uh, it's something I enjoy doing. And if you would have told me ten years ago, hey, you won't have to worry about bi- like you, you, you pay all your bills, you can sit at a table, you can drink, you can, you can just kind of let loose for a little bit, that would have been next level. And there's something in the contentment side of like being happy with where you're at, like you were saying last week. Right. Um, because where I've come from and where I am now is night and day. It's, it's completely night and day. Right. And it depends on perception of like what you felt like was important at that time. But for me, this is like my life's work because I can put out my thoughts and maybe that could affect one person. Maybe that could affect three people. But for me, that's enough. Like, I'm not really in it for the fame or money or any of that shit. If you can make a difference in one person's life, if we can create the next Elon Musk just out of thought, (laughs) that's really all it takes for me, man. I don't know, dude. If I could create anything just out of thought, it'd probably be Emma Stone. Maybe Kate Beckinsale. Who knows? You could. I mean, there could be a couple listeners. I mean, we don't. We Not have a de- for that reason. We have a decent amount of listeners, but for. I mean, it's very possible that one person listens to this, goes on to become very successful, and yeah. takes some of that ideology with them. Yeah, it's a. Uh, These are not for you. These are my baseballs. No baseballs for Uzi. Yeah. Um. No, and I get what you're saying. Uh, 
It's definitely a thing. I hope by now any regular listeners we have know to start listening at about the 15-20 minute mark. Because <laughs> we, we have to find a rhythm. What we should do from now on is just start talking about something. Yeah. And get through that awkward part and then just... Well, a lot of people view it, view podcasts as they are, they're interested because it's not their life. Same thing with Chris D'Elia. He says, he's like, most of my episodes I feel like are shit. Yeah. But people listen to them and they're hilarious because he's him. Right. And uh, like that's what's important is you just kind of project what you are. Right. And that uh, that resonates with people because there are people out there that are doing a lot worse than we are. There are people that are still working graveyard shifts as security and they just want to have like a little bit of a laugh. Uh, or share an experience. It's like sitting with somebody. It's podcasts are like sitting down with two, a couple people and being a part of a conversation. Yeah, and Shelby was kind of telling me that last week. Yeah, like uh, when I went back to the coffee shop um, the day the day after our recording, she said she she was listening to us on her way into work, and she's like, first of all, I'm not afraid of you guys." Shout out to Shelby. Yeah. Um, Second of all, uh, like, I love listening to you because it gives me an insight into, like, your minds and your friendship, is what she said. She's like, I like learning that about you guys. Right. I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. Like, I didn't ever view it that way before. Right. I'm just here talking, you know, like, so. People are interested, though, especially when you project the voice out. Um I think a lot more people, and it's a it's a weird thing. There's some people that want to learn from you. There's some people that are intimidated. There's some people that hate you because of what you do. Um, and putting your voice out. I love the people that hate me. Me too. I, I want to take them. tap dancing lessons so I can tap dance on their teeth. <laughs> uh, Not me. <laughs> Dude, nothing would make me happier than walking up to somebody that absolutely hates me being able to do this eventually just like for instance like let's say my my ex um i was gonna propose to her and then she dumped me about like a month beforehand um i was in a relationship with her for like four years i know she doesn't like me yeah i i'm fully aware and i don't like her but yeah. nothing would make me happier to be able to walk up to her and offer us offer her a sum of money that she can't possibly refuse. Right. That she just like has to accept. And yeah. she's just like, I fucking hate this guy. Yeah. But it's ten thousand dollars <laughs> for nothing. For me, since I've never been in a long term relationship, for me, this is an outlet for anyone that I date. I'm already public. They yeah. can already yeah. listen to yeah. me and know who I am. And that takes the people away who don't mean shit to me and don't respect who I actually am. And the people who listen and say like, okay, I like this person or whatever. It gives me an opportunity to cut through the bullshit because everyone knows who I am. If you go Google, if you go Google either of our names, you can listen to our voices and determine if you're uh, a fan or not or want to know us or not. Yeah, if you type in Dallas Weaver podcast. Okay, there's a PhD with my name. That's kind of cool. Maybe I should steal his identity. JK. There you go. 
So my podcast comes up for some reason as number one. Dean Brody and Dallas Smith, the Weaver podcast. Fuck them. Yeah. That's cool. Unsubscribe from them and subscribe to Cheap Shot, Dis- Cheap Shot Discussions. Did I spell my name wrong? Am I that gone? No. No, it doesn't look like it. There. Yeah, there we go. Second row. Episode 7, Time for New Blood. <laughs> Don't even to, remember it. We talked about politics, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're number one on Could You Please, actually. Episode 9, Welcome to the Thunderdome, featuring Dallas Weaver. Yeah. That was one thing. And by the way, guys, my podcast is back. I re-uploaded it. I'm going to try to start doing it again every week. Um, yeah. Welcome to the Thunderdome featuring Dallas Weaver. <laughs> so. Well, there you go. Yeah. So if people want to know, they can find out who we are. Um, it's, it's not that hard to find. Yeah, and this podcast will catch up to mine. Um, I started mine in February of last year, so it's got a little bit more traction. There you go. Yeah. All of the could you please, but if you type in... uh, I'm just going to do cheap shot and see what that looks like. Cheap shot podcast. Should be, yep. There it is. Oh, the fucking... There, there's this uh, photography one. Fuck them. But they're just cheap shot. We're um, cheap shot discussions. So Yeah, and our newest episode's actually right up there on the top. So yeah. that makes me pretty happy. Yep. Um, but cheap shot discussions actually would come up with quite a bit of stuff. And considering we've been doing it for less than a year, I'm pretty damn happy of where it's at yeah it's it's going pretty good actually um it's just slow growth try cheap shot discussions well yeah might have to start a trend of csd that's true we'll figure it out we've been consistent enough now that we still got that we still got the uh the monkey the baboon hitting the lion. Yeah, with a stick. Like he's just, he's just looking like he's in for a fucking bad day after this decision. How about the normal searches though? Like if you go to all, that should pop up with like cheap show discussion, Spotify, Spotify. Apple. We got our Pinecast website. Yeah. Tune in. Yeah. Tune in. We just actually got on lately. So say, uh, hey Siri, hey Alexa, hey Google, play cheap shot discussions podcast, and uh, you'll hear us. Yeah, you'll they'll be like playing episode twenty seven on tune in or whatever. Yeah. So I think we're pretty much the first page as far as cheap shot discussions goes. Pod Bay, don't know who they are. Listen notes, don't know who they are. They've picked up our shit. Uh Pod Paradise, Castbox. Reviews. No reviews. Review us, you assholes. Review us. Um, sorry, that probably didn't sound too good in the mic. But. So, th- I mean, this was the whole idea 
for me in the first place with the podcast is you, if you can create trendingness, if you can create it trending, cause we put no money into marketing. It's true. None. Um, and if we, if, if we get it to this point and start, uh, advertising after this point, then that's when the growth comes. So we've been consistent enough. There's interest. There's people that listen. I mean, I know people in my personal life that listen. Really? Yeah. Who? Uh, just people I've met, just people I know. Does your sister? Uh, I don't think my sister does. I think she's in her own shit. She's. I'm apprehensive eight. to tell any of my family about this. Oh, I don't tell my family about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell my family about Once it. Once I'm big enough to pay back for their, to get their love back, <laughs> like, then I'll tell them about it. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of people, a lot of friends that I've met, though, do find interest because they, they knew me as, like... I was always kind of the class clown or like wanting to have fun. And then when I say I have a podcast, I get listens from that and they're like, oh, but it's weird because it also creates this sense of, I had a friend reach out who said he was intimidated to reach out to me. Why? Just the idea of, just the idea of being somebody who's public and more confident because I didn't used to be this way. I would never have put my voice out on the internet. Um, and for somebody in that perspective and looking at me now, it's like, oh, shit, that person must have made it. And uh, nope, still scratching, still scratching at the pavement for for breadcrumbs. You but know, the idea like, even of trying is yeah. is admirable for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I've made a lot of friends or, or have developed close relationships because of the podcast is because it's consistent. People understand that this is going to come out weekly no matter what. Uh, a lot of money in the bank. A lot of people can't do that. Uh, and anyone can, that's the, that's the fun part about it. And so like, I know that this long open dialogue works for us, but it's, I want to talk to Shelby. She should be at the coffee shop tomorrow. Uh huh. Yeah. I want to see if she thinks three hours is too long. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because she sounds like somebody that listen is going to listen consistently. Right. So I, I want to get her input on it. Um, well, either way, if it's three hours or if it's 25 minutes or whatever, if they like you, they're going to listen. It doesn't matter. It's true. I, I mean, I download audio books that are 16 plus hours. I listen to all of them. I think so. it's really just creating the person. I always tell myself like, for the person that I want to be, if I look at myself in the next 10 years, I look at the people that I listen to now. Bradley Martin was a big influence. Callum Von Moger, all of these bodybuilding guys who are all about like, feel better about yourself, do all this stuff. They had a message that resonated and that made me like them more to listen to what they had to say. And the entertainment value, if it's funny, people are more interested in listening. True. Um, I don't think this one's a very funny episode, but... Well, it could be, depending on your perspective. Some people have some boring-ass lives. <laughs> some people are out there being paralegals or whatever. Or... I got to piss. Yeah, me too. Being a security guard, but... Anyways, we'll ben, pick up in a sec. Ben. 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 And Kyle. And Kyle. And Kyle. And Kyle. Oh God, no! But seriously, with the with the Shelby, um, 
I don't know if she likes it, our podcast or not. I want to talk to her about it. Um, and even if she doesn't like it, I'm going to ask her to try to listen in because I want somebody that's going to give us uh, constructive feedback. Yeah. And um, I mean, just know Shelby works with a lot of people just by her working with people and her of listening to the podcast. You know, she's told people. Well, she was talking to me about it last week when I went to buy my coffee and you were still passed out in your bed. <laughs> and um, everyone in the line was looking at me like, what the fuck? And I didn't even pay any attention to them, but they were like, I could feel the eyes on me like, yeah, oh shit, this guy is like recording a podcast of some kind. And Yeah, I've told her that too. She had me write down the podcast name in front of like a line of people. She did that to me the last week, except for not the podcast name. She was just talking to me about the episode we had literally just published. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it, it definitely uh, it makes an impact on people. And uh, really what people appreciate is just being yourself. If you're 100% yourself, that's what resonates with people. People don't want to hear what they want to hear. They want to hear your perspective. They want to hear what you've gone through. Um, and it's it's easy you know we have this little board and some mics and we can just talk shit we do what we want and it's exactly. free for the most part i mean we pay you pay for the maintenance on the website but yeah i pay like 12 bucks a month for it and i but that's also that. for my that's also for my podcast too but um well like, i appreciate it i do fund a lot of the beer exactly <laughs> Uh, Which is probably and, more than twelve bucks. <laughs> well, and for me, I'm gonna con- I'm gonna continue doing even when I move out of here. I'm gonna continue paying for it just because, like when I started this whole thing, the podcast was was my number one thing. I did right. it every week, at least an hour of talking to myself. Right, right. And when you learn to keep a conversation going with just yourself, you can have a conversation with fucking anyone. True. Um. Yeah, so, like, well, I'm going to keep this going as well. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this studio is probably going to move to wherever you move to. I will make one request. If the fridge is ever stocked in the way that it is, mm-hmm. I want to see it stocked the same way as when I left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the week prior. But I, 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 I'm, I mean, I was dedicated to coming over and recording every week before you moved in. I'm at the point where and it'll I would be the same way. I would rent a small studio just to have a studio for cheap shot and could you please on opposite ends, just different setups on both sides and live in that. That's how much I'm dedicated to this really? whole podcasting thing. Okay. That's a lot of dedication. I'm very focused on uh just um in general trying to Ah, uh, good old Provo girl. Doesn't... Is the last can of that... I want you to pull a can of Provo girl out and set it aside. Yeah? But, yeah. That's like... Uh, I grew up on that shit. They don't make it anymore. Um, I just I just want the can as a memory. A full can of Provo girl sitting, at, sitting to the side. When I build my bar, this is... Uh, these are going to be like display items on in it. So. 
What? A Provo girl? Well, I'll, I'll drink the rest of them. I just want one can set aside. I know. I want to drink one too. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. The good old Provo girl, man. Um, Dude, podcasting, no matter what, if you kept this going for decades, podcasting is good for one reason. It slowly builds an audience, and no matter what you're doing, like let's say you have 100,000 followers at one point. You start doing art more, you have followers there. You want to go do this thing, you have you have supporters. It's a marketing thing over time. See, and I don't view it that way at all. I... I I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And I can respect what you're saying, but that's not the way I view it. Honestly, this is just something that I've gotten accustomed to doing once a week. Yeah. I look forward to doing it. Um followers or not, I'm going to continue to do it. Do you believe in the law of attraction? Uh I don't know what that is. The more you put out what you want into the universe, the more you get. So if you're a nice person, you contribute, you get that karma coming back in some way. Not expecting it. Um, The whole idea of the law of attraction is that if you want something and you put in the work, if you put the energy out there, that's what you want, more people push that energy towards you. Okay. That's what the law of attraction is. The okay. more the more vocal you are with your, your ambitions, the more it comes to you. The universe rewards you for being kind of like affirmations. Okay. Um, I don't know if I believe in that. Okay. Um, I'm not going to discredit anyone that believes in it, but honestly, I, I think I'm just kind of at a point with my personal belief system that the only thing I can trust in is the entropy of the universe yeah and um that's about like, it if you, you know. made an art podcast and you express your love for art it would attract artistic minds uh that kind of resonate with your message that's the whole idea with the law of attraction is that whatever you put out there people that resonate with that kind of joined forces okay maybe i mean it depends on how wide you're willing to let your platform become and yeah how how much you're driven to do it right now with art i'm doing that for myself right it is self-enrichment right i couldn't give a shit less if anyone buys one of my paintings it would be nice, but I also recognize the fact that I'm no fucking Van Gogh. People have already bought your art, dude. I know, but not an original. What I'm what I'm saying is, like, yes, I did sell some of my art, but I'm I, I'm saying like I I recognize I'm not Van Gogh, right? Yeah. I'm not like one of these super high caliber guys. But um, why why do you believe that? Because what makes you different between them and you? Because you're just sharing your perspective. Um, my technique and sure. my experience behind it. That's like so when I view myself compared to other artists, um, I when I say I'm not a Van Gogh 
or a Picasso or or whatever. I I view it in in the strictest sense of the term of like I am not developed to that point. Right. Like but when they were discovered, what age were they? I don't know. I mean, I don't think you really hear about Picasso when he was four years into art or five years into art. No, no. Um, in fact, Picasso really didn't start getting famous until he kind of went crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or a lot of them until they died, even. Yeah. Uh, and what it took for... Well, I mean, not Picasso, Van Gogh. Van Gogh started going crazy, and that's when he started getting noticed. Picasso didn't really get famous until Guernica. Okay. Um, you know, but it it's... Uh, I, I look at these talents from the past, even Chuck Close, who's still alive. He is hands down my favorite contemporary artist right now. Yeah. Like, he is a wonderful painter. Um, I'd never heard of him until about three years ago. But he's huge in the art community. Okay. And he does this photorealism stuff, and it's just beautiful. Like, he's able to paint a portrait of somebody that looks like a photograph. Right. And it's fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, and he probably didn't start really getting famous until his mid-30s. Was that the guy that went all crazy later and started doing, like, polygram, like... He didn't go crazy. He had a stroke. That's what it was. I remember, I know who you're talking about. Okay. Uh, he he had a stroke and um, it altered his art style, but he's still able to pull it off, and it's just it's just incredible work. Yeah, it changed to like geometry. Yeah. And he does. He used to do some lithographs and some tin types and stuff back in the day. Like he's a well-rounded artist, and I really, really, really respect respect him as an artist um so i mean even you being indulged in the art community like i view a lot of things as art right like i view bodybuilding as art i view podcasting as an art primarily because our experience formulate the words that come out of our mouth and we put them into these microphones and it's a form of art in a sense because we've experienced certain things and that even our two experiences combined and we put them together, create something different, a dichotomy. I'm very artistic minded in that sense is that I view everyone. I, I truly believe everyone has something unique to offer in the sense of perspective and experience. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, I don't know. I, I, try to view myself as very artistic minded. I like music. I like making music. I like playing guitar or whatever. And I see, um, and I used to, I used to play the bass. Yeah. I think we're pretty artistic minded. Um, just in different categories. You're, you, you are far superior than me in, in traditional art, like actual painting and sketching and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, I mean, we've got ScarJo right here looking at us. Yeah. <laughs> There's different forms of art, I think. Uh, no, and you're right. Like, dancing. Dancing's an art, yeah. It I, absolutely I suck is. at dancing, but I can respect it. Yeah. So, uh, but what what I'm saying is when I, when I say, like, 
I'm not this person or that person um, when it comes to art. I recognize the the difference in experience level and technique that needs to be developed. Yeah. Now I'm not saying at all like what I what I like for my art to evoke some sort of response, like visceral response out of somebody, yes, because it does that for me. Yeah. Um and if it only does it for me, then it only does it for me. Right. But like, you know, two hundred years from now, if somebody's like, oh man, like Dallas Weaver this is a Dallas Weaver original, and it's that painting that's hanging up in your room. Right. That one guy uh, two weeks ago told me was good, but it needed work. Right. I'm like, okay, well, I, I respect that opinion. Right. And I'm I'm testing out the stuff that we talked about right. together. But, you know, if... If it still evokes some sort of response and feeling upon the person viewing the image, right? Then it's done its job, and yeah. that's how all art is. So, like, I go to the um, UMFA, which mm-hmm. is the Utah Museum of Fine Arts, and I could spend from open to close in that place, right? And there's some stuff I'll look at that's like, eh. Right. Like, I went in there one time, and they have, like, this... They have a certain section that's, like, dedicated to um, temporary displays. Mm-hmm. And this one guy went through, and he recreated every natural color from the Salt Lake City... Um count like Salt Lake County landscape. Like all the dirts, all the different trees and like like it it took up a whole room. Yeah. But it was just little strips of each color. Okay. Like Salt Lake, the Great Salt Lake, this part of the Ochre Mountains, this part of the Ochre Mountains, this part of the Ochre Mountains, this part of downtown, this part of downtown. And it took up a whole room and I looked at it and I was like impressive but I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Then I went upstairs and I was like looking at the statues and these old like carvings from like 300 BCE. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is fucking beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where like somebody downstairs might've been like, Oh, this is amazing. Right. All the, like this guy like went through and he, he's literally, identified each individual color like i feel like i'm standing in salt lake county like and seeing the whole thing but i'm not like actually outside right Right. and they might go upstairs and be like oh it's a statue cool right you know so so it's it's a i mean it's a very personal and individualized experience person to person right so yeah it's definitely uh something that you resonate with it's a I mean, imagine if you created a painting and you post that on social media and Elon Musk sees it. That's a dog right there. That's a doggo. <laughs> That's Smiley. 
<laughs> Sorry. But if Elon Musk sees your painting and retweets it or whatever, oh, that that's, changes your life. It it does, and well, it it does and it doesn't. Because like one thing, I I mean, you have to try to examine it from the perspective of like, okay, now there's let's say i don't know how many followers elon musk has on twitter or whatever but like let's say now there's two billion people that know this image i created yeah does that change things kind of does it change things for me personally right now yeah probably not do these people know where to find me no yeah they well, might think, be able to hunt me down through Twitter or like Instagram and like ask to purchase the the original. Yeah. Um, but like, does that change my personal experience? Like, should that change how I'm viewing the planet? Yeah. And like how I interpret the events of my life. Right. It should not. Right. I think. Uh... I think a big difference between both of our generations, because we're only like a generation apart, even though we're only like five, six years apart or whatever. Yeah. Um, social media, I view as a vehicle. It's a vehicle for me to take who I am and put it out to other people in hopes that they'll understand what I'm feeling. Um, and that's how I view all of them. I fuck Dude, I'll tell you right now. There's so many social medias. Like, you know this. Like, you've seen your Instagrams, your Snapchats, your Facebooks, your Twitters. Back in the day, MySpace. Now you have TikTok. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Like, if I have to be on all of those platforms to put out my message in hopes that it will resonate with somebody, I'm going to do it. Okay. Um, See, and... Are... I feel like this is where you and I differ to an extent. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're concerned about being heard. I'm not concerned about being heard, but like imagine the experience you've been through. If you could share your experience with people to change their life and to like, let's say you could put something out there that changes somebody's life to say like, Hey, I'm going to learn from his experience. Would you want to, try to reach as many people as you can to like warn them of the mistakes you've made or warn them of th different things in life that. Sure. Um, I, I, I see where you're coming from with that, but also it's not my, it's my responsibility to share who I come in contact with, like to share stuff with who I come in contact with. Right. Yeah. Like, however, um, you've heard of Aristotle, mm -hmm. Galileo, yeah, Da Vinci, right? These guys are famous for certain things. Mm -hmm. They were around when a much smaller population was on the planet, right? And all of this social media didn't exist. Why did they reach us today? Yeah. It's not my responsibility to like proliferate. It's my responsibility just to live my life. Yeah. And share my experiences as they happen. And you know, like 
like, and this is one platform to do so. I'm not denying that. Yeah. But whether there's one listener to this or 50,000, 100,000, whatever, like, right. it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't change my responsibility as a human being. It like, definitely doesn't. And, no. and it does, it definitely doesn't change my perspective either because it's like, you know, um, there's a lyric from an Eminem song that's like, yes, music can change your mood and alter attitudes, but it can, can it load a gun and cock it too? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, that. that's kind of the perspective I'm taking is like, I, I put this out there and people listen to it. Fantastic. Thank you for listening. But it's not like, I, I don't need to concern myself right now with how those people are reacting. Now, if I'm a, if I'm a big name person, say like Oprah, yeah, who has like this huge sway of all the house, the house dwellers of uh, society here in America that like watch her show daily and like, Oh, this is my book of the month for the Oprah's like book club or whatever. Yep. And now all of a sudden, like, in a matter of days, she's able to take one book that no one's ever heard of and turn it into a New York Times bestseller because it's sold out of every Barnes & Noble across the country. Um, that, that's a different type of power. And I, I don't necessarily view, view that as using your power for anything specific. Yeah. Um, but... It, 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 is it right to do so? I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just no, you're like, good, man. I like I kind of forgot the initial question you posed to me. I'm just rambling until I can figure it out again. It's a uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a uh, it's an interesting fucking thing because yeah, Oprah has millions and millions of people. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um. Even I mean, imagine. Your experiences, your losses, your gains, you put this out on the mic and that hits that one person out of the, you know, little listeners we have in retrospect, that person could change the world. True. But that's their responsibility. Sure. That's not my responsibility. What I need to focus on as an individual is how to make the circumstance surrounding my life and the lives of those around me better. Right. Now, like, like Instagram. We'll talk about Instagram for a second because okay. that's the most popular one, I think. That and Twitter. Twitter's kind of like an enigma, but Instagram especially, what would you say is the most sought-after thing on Instagram? People go on there to look at... I don't know. I hardly use it. Ass. Really? They follow fitness models. Really? Or fitness people. It seems to be a, a big trend. See, I follow artists. Yeah. And a guy that breeds puppies. And they're adorable. So a lot of people follow <laughs> follow Instagram models, which are now known as influencers, which are uh, just people that post pictures of their ass all day. And then people think to themselves, well, I'll never be that way. And it kind of drives them into a depression. My whole idea is that being a fighting force for that 
and being someone who can say like you can do what you want just the idea of like inspiring people to go after what the whatever they want is uh is enough for me man it's uh no and it to me i i agree like but the fact that i need to in a sense tell somebody to go after something they want is sad but some people may not know some people, I mean, imagine when you're 18, 19 years old and thinking, like, I don't know what the fuck to do with my life. The, and But that's okay. You're a kid still. Yeah. I know a lot of 18-year-olds out there, even if they're listening to this, they're, like, going to be like, I'm an adult, whatever. Like, fuck you. Like, I don't, like, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? I, I'm talking to a kid that doesn't know shit right now. That's who I'm talking to. Exactly. That's and, what I, That's what I'm saying, dude, is that. If we're talking to people that don't know shit, the whole example of being an example does rub off on these people. Uh, yeah, and so if any of you are in your late teens, 18, 19, even 20, I mean, like, I, I've brought this up multiple times on this podcast, but my great-grandmother, she was like 96 at the time. And my dad asked her if you could go back and be 60 again. And that's an age a lot of people don't hold near and dear to their hearts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, just rewind the clock 30 years and be that physically active again. You know, would you? And she said, to be that naive again? No. Yeah. That, to me, speaks fucking volumes. Yeah. Because in the last... 12, 13 years of my life from when I turned 17 or 18 and I'm like, oh, I'm an adult now, blah, 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 to like yeah. where I am now, there's a huge amount of growth that's taken place. And that's why I still turn to my, my dad. My, I mean, my mom's mentally unstable. We've established that. But I, I turn to my dad and I'm like, what do I do about this? Yeah. Or, like, how would you handle this situation? This is the thing I'm coming across right now. Because I know now, like, you you're, you turn 18, you're like, I've got everything figured out. Yeah. You turn 30, and you're like, I don't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I'm sure it's the same way when you turn 40, 50, 60, like... So I, I I look to the guy that's got 25, 26 years more experience than me, and I'm like, hey, man, yeah. I need your input on this. Right. Because I, I yeah. don't fucking know. Input. Like, I, I think 100% you nailed it on the head right there. Like, one day you're going to have kids. Like, you're going to have kids. And you sitting here in your 30s have painted a perspective. If your kids listen to this in their 20s, if you if you knew 100% without a doubt that your perspective what you went through and you putting this into their in, into a mic saved your kids 10 years would that be worth it for you absolutely i agree that's the whole point of this is is pushing consciousness pushing perspective an open fo forum so to speak if my kids are 20% smarter than i was i did my job dude yeah. That's how I view it. And yeah. if they do the same thing, it gets better and better and better. 
See, I, I was actually uh, kind of thinking about this on a different level earlier today, because, like, God knows I did not like being in the military. Mm-hmm. I complained about it every fucking day I was there. I had a countdown starting at four years out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The little timer. Yeah. It, yeah. it had, like, 14,000 days on it, and any time something upset me, I'd look at it and be like, oh, God, there's only... 13,000 days left or whatever, 1,300 days left or whatever it was. It was like 1,400 days, and then like something else would upset me like three months later, and I'm like, oh, God, we're, we've only got 1,000 days left of this. And uh, But I, I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, when I graduated FMTB, I think the most beneficial thing that's ever happened to me in the military was I graduated FMTB and they brought this guy back. They brought this really old dude. Um, must have been close to 90 years old. Okay. Uh, to talk to our class right before, like, on our last field op, the last day of our last field op. We're tired, we're hungry, we're fucking cold, we're dirty, we're miserable. Like, absol- absolutely miserable. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's this old guy and we come hiking out of the hills in full ruck and, and gear and rifles and everything. And there's this old dude sitting in a wheelchair next to some bleachers. And like, they tell us all to sit down in our platoons on the bleachers. And so we sit down and we're kind of talking amongst ourselves and this guy starts talking one of the staff sergeants yells at us to shut up. Um, this dude was an Iwo Jima vet from World War II. Saw, like, horrific shit. Yeah. And he was there to tell us how important our training was that we just finished. Because without it, he wouldn't be here today. And I was... I, I, for some reason that went into my mind and I couldn't sleep last night. And I was like sitting there thinking about it. And I was like, I, even though I want nothing to do with the military, as far as being a member of it, I want to go back and tell these future corpsmen and medics, I need to go back. That's what my mindset was, is like, I need to go back and tell them how important it is for them to pay attention in their training. Yeah. Like, don't just worry about passing the tests and shit. Like, actually absorb the information and continue to grow after you've gotten out of the program because you'd never know when you're going to be called upon. Right. Not even in the military sense, just ever in, in, in your lifetime. There was a guy that saved a friend of mine, saved his life. On the 78 in California, my friend was in a motorcycle accident, had a compound fracture of his femur, lost an inch of his femur bone on the on the highway, had an arterial bleed. Yeah. This dude was an infantryman that was CLS certified, combat lifesaver certified in Vietnam. Saved my buddy's life. Yeah. Never had to use any of his skills until that fucking moment. Yeah. Right. You never know. Yeah. And 
And so, like, I was thinking, I was like, I really need to get to these young guys. Like, I need to find a way to go back and talk to them and be like, you know what? I hated being in. Right. But since I've been out, well, I, like, deployed to Afghanistan and stuff. But even since I've been out, I've used that medical training. When that bike ran the stop sign and I ran over that guy. Yeah. I don't know how he's doing to this day. I know he's still alive. Right. Because I was able to fall back on training that I had at that point five, six years prior. Right. So I I was just like thinking like to myself, it's like, how imperative is it to take like you you need to really take and assess your own experience and have retrospect on it every once in a while because um to to be able to look at that and understand what it means and turn around and tell somebody else like okay you're going through the same thing I did I know you hate it I know it sucks. Yeah. But you need to hold on to this moment because this could change the life of not just you, but another person in the future. Right. Is so important. Like, regardless of what it is. I mean, like, for me, I I use the medical combat training and and stuff. And, like, this almost 90-year-old guy, 70, 80, 90-year-old guy talking to us. But for me, like, that didn't really hit home for me because I was like, oh, I'm in the military. I'm a corpsman. I'm an FMF corpsman. This is what's expected of me. This is my job. Yeah. I never thought I'd get out and have to use those skills again. Yeah. Five years later, I wind up, like, this guy runs a stop sign, and I wind up running over him because he ran a stop sign in my truck. I'm sitting there treating this dude on the side of the road, like waiting for an ambulance to show up to pick him up. And it's like, I, I don't know, man. Like it, it just runs through my head a lot. Like even my experiences from the previous four months, like I know I bitch all the time about like, I want to be done with school. I want to be done with it. Like I can't wait to fucking be done with it. But I don't know when I'm going to revert back to something i've i learned last year yeah i don't know when i'm gonna use that right so i need to be engaged 100 percent of the time and i i I, that's the message i want to get across to people so it's like you know you, you don't know if it's insignificant like nothing is insignificant right if you're learning something pay fucking attention yeah because um you never know you right. just don't. Right. So. Yeah. Anything that you learn over time and experience, experience is key. Like, I mean, I don't think you'd be the person you are if you didn't go through the military experience, even though you deal with the PTSD, you deal with right all the things you went through. It creates a perspective for other people to learn from. And there are a lot of people that won't go through the service True. That will learn a lot from what you went through. Even the small amount of viewers that we have. 
Yeah. Um, um, you I create agree. a perspective because you went through the experience. I agree. And um, it creates a greater consciousness. And that's what's important to me. Well, it, it, yeah. And, and for me, it's more important of getting across the message of pay attention to what's going on today because you don't know if you're going to need it tomorrow. Right. You have no idea. Right. Like, I went through EMT training, and then I joined the military, and I did all all of that. And when I was an EMT, all of my calls, almost all of them, weren't, were medical and not trauma-related. Yeah. When I was in the military, I ran sick call most of the time unless I was deployed. And then I actually did, like the trauma shit that I was trained to do. But it wasn't even that. Like, it was basic EMT shit that I reverted to when it came to treating this one guy that I ran over. Yeah. It was like, I need to control his bleeding. I need to stabilize his spine. I need to do this. I need to do that. And, um... Even if it's, like, a business thing. Like, if you're in the middle of, like, some big big business dilemma right now, and you're learning how to process that and deal with that, you don't know if 5, 6, 15 years from now, you're going to be confronted with a similar situation and be like, oh, this situation back at this company when I was brand new, you know? Like, yeah. the, the, I learned about this back then, and I need to pull it up now. Right. Um, and, and to me, uh, it's just getting that message across of just being involved and there 100% of the time when you're learning stuff and when you're experiencing something because yeah. you never know. You really don't. Like, Isn't that crazy that uh, all of the experience that you had, I mean, how many episodes have we done now? Damn near close to 40 with all the in the bank. Yeah, with everything that's in the bank and whatnot, yeah. So we take that into account, and maybe we've had shorter episodes, longer episodes. Maybe 80 to 100 hours we've put our voices out here. Right. That's two and a half weeks of corporate work. True. And that, to me, is uh, just the perspective we put out there of what we've experienced is somehow valued less than somebody who went to college and got their master's degree in business administration. Right. And that designates what people think. It, it's true. But, like I said, you know... Okay, there's this guy that got got his MBA. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. There is something, there is a level of knowledge that he contains that I don't, or she contains that I don't. Right. And there's something I can definitely learn from that person, but there's something that they can learn from me as well. Right. There's something I can learn from you, and there's something I can learn from Shelby. Or they can learn from Shelby or my friend Simon or whatever. You, whatever the yeah. case is. Like yeah. there's 
there's continuous room for growth and there's like you you need to recognize that and you need to like be open to it whenever you recognize it yeah no one wants to be a student anymore it's like they get this validation of i've got my master's degree or i have my doctorate i'm no longer a student i know what i need to know like okay yeah you're no longer a student in the realms of academia right but everyone's a student of life Mm -hmm. you know like i i don't know how how many people there are like this but i'm wagering to say it's quite a few that have their master's or doctorate's degrees that can't replace the sprinkler head in their front yard right you know like it's it's a simple task but how many people would hire somebody to come out and do that yeah a lot of people because and and, and they wouldn't even sit there and watch them do it right you know like they'd be like here's your money get the job done leave me alone right. they'd go back inside the the truck would be gone for 4 hours before they noticed the job would be done and they would have no idea how it happened right <laughs> yeah you know and it's it's like well no that's an opportunity you know like that yeah like okay you don't know how to do it right now but say you and no one in your family knows how to take care of that mm-hmm. and for some reason you are completely oblivious to how youtube works hire somebody go out watch them do the job now you know right like yeah it's true yeah like i i've had to replace a couple of sprinkler heads around here and before i had a sprinkler system i didn't even i didn't know anything about it right but i had my dad come out and show me how to do one and now i'm like now i can take care of it yeah now i can take care of it is it weird to think that one day youtube will be irrelevant like what do you mean like the Roman Empire, for example, everything falls over time. This this idea that we live in this stagnant reality of oh, that's ridiculous. Of YouTube being our a hundred percent. Like I think YouTube will be dead within twenty thirty years. Okay, and it's weird. What to do you think is going to take its place? I don't know, but it's weird to think that, right? Because that's really all we've known being in our. Uh, post-adolescence lives is youtube it's youtube you go on youtube you learn whatever but it doesn't i mean there were probably points in people's reality where myspace was going to be a forever thing yeah and uh now we live in this this stagnant place where youtube google um instagram whatever is we think it's gonna last forever and it's not. No, it's not. There's going to be something else eventually. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in our, especially our uh, generation, that value human inter- interaction more than they value the bullshit that we've been getting. And uh, it, it's weird to think, but I think within the next 20, 30 years, we're not going to 
be the same way we are now with YouTube. Uh, I, I don't think it's weird to think at all. Yeah. I, I really don't. Rewind 30 years. 1989. Yeah. What was the world in everyday life like back then? Well, it was before internet. So it was, I would assume it's more community based. You trusted your neighbor. They told you information. You believed them a little bit. Most people didn't have cell phones. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so we're, we're at a, at the era of where, Internet's just barely beginning to pop up. I still remember before. I mean, I was born in 95, but I remember even before 99. Is Most when people it, didn't have internet. Yeah, it was it was very, uh, I wouldn't say until 2005, 2003 to 2005. So yeah. 89, okay. Yeah. The, the Berlin Wall comes down. Mm-hmm collapse of the soviet union so to speak yeah most people don't have cell phones there's only about five channels six channels to choose from for on local television maybe yeah cable um was was relatively new right cds are just barely starting to be produced right um and fax machines. Yeah. Were like the all the rage. Being yep. able to fax something was all the rage. <laughs> fax machines won Bill Clinton the election. Just to put that into perspective for you. Rewind thirty years before that. 59. Yeah. What did life look like then? Right. You Not only did people not have the internet or cell phones, they didn't even have their own individual phone number. There were party lines. Right. Where three or four houses would be connected to the same phone number. Yeah. Okay. Um, FM radio is just barely hitting... Um, public marketing. Right. Okay. Uh, like, I mean, you have all this shit that's taking place right there. Okay. And then you rewind another 30 years, 1929. Right? Yeah. Before the Great Depression, companies had phones, most people didn't. Urban areas had electricity. Some rural areas didn't. Uh, a lot of people were still using outhouses in real, rural areas versus um, plumbing and right. a municipal plumbing system. So to say, like, it's weird to think that 30 years from now, life's going to be completely different. Yeah. It, it's not that weird to me. Mm. And it, like, it, I mean, you, you keep rewinding the button like that, okay? Like, okay, 29 to 1899 to 1869, right? Yeah. 
Like, you just keep, like, if you rewind 30 years back, 30 years back, 30 years back, life was completely different 30 years ago. Right. And it's going to be completely different 30 years from now. Right. Um, I would say even more so. Well, I mean, technological advances do take place on a logarithmic scale. Yeah, it's more of like a... Yeah. Yeah, it's an exponential growth for technology. But... um, It's not hard to... It's hard to imagine what it will look like, but it's not hard to imagine that it will be different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So... Definitely be different. For sure. And I don't know if YouTube will still be around or not, or whatever, you know. I think with the whole progression of VR, it's going to change so much than we can even think about right now. Right. It's going to be Wally. You think we're going to have to evacuate Earth? and? I think we're going to all be fat people in wheelchairs, but we'll have VR helmets on and... Um, I don't know, man, because, um, I mean, I was even talking to Liz's dad about, it's dead. Um, I was talking to Liz's dad about how Canadians were so much nicer than Americans, and he totally agreed. Yeah. He was like, yeah, throughout all my experience, I totally agree with that. (laughs) And, uh. But it seems to be more progressive in that area everywhere in the world. No right. one wants to talk to each other. Everyone's secluded. I think within the next 50 years, we're all going to be hooked up to VR heads. If not that, the idea... I mean, if you could, uh, if someone told you you could put a microchip in your head and you could live any life you wanted to, pretty fucking enticing. Yeah, but so here's here's my thing, okay, when it comes down to that. Yeah. Especially with Ghost Stick. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> I'm going to bring that up every time I yawn now. Uh <laughs> but with the VR thing? Yeah. Okay. It's cool. It gives you like a 360 degree immersive experience but if i'm quote unquote rock climbing yeah in a vr situation versus actually like doing so right 100 percent different right i don't feel the muscle fatigue i don't feel the endorphins i don't feel the adrenaline kicking in i don't feel my heart rate go up once i get above like 80 feet you know like Like, I'm still firmly aware that I'm, like, not in the environment that I'm supposedly, quote-unquote, in. Right. So. And I think it takes place over multiple generations. I don't think it's a one-generational thing. I think uh, it takes two to three generations to implement what what is going to be inevitable, and that's... People not going places, people staying indoors. I mean, look at the 80s versus now. How many people went to movie theaters or to events or to whatever? And versus now, most people would prefer to stay indoors. What does that look like 20 years in the future? Yeah, and I I see what you're saying there. But for 
And I can't say. Like, if I were to have a kid tomorrow, they'd be 20 years old in that time. Yeah. And I don't know what they would want to do. But as for me, I can say even 20 years in the future, like, just staying in my house and living through virtual reality and having food brought to me, it's not enticing. Right. Even with, like, you were, I mean, we've had this conversation, like, Uber Eats, Grubhub, whatever. I'll probably use one of those services later. But the fact that we can have fast food, not only is it convenient enough that we can go to a place and have food within a couple of minutes, now we can have it brought to our house and not leave. Yeah. That's crazy. No, it is. But... Again, that to me eliminates part of my life. Ghost dick. <laughs> uh, th- that I don't want to give up. Yeah. Like, I, I grew up going out. And does that make us old school? I don't know. Because that's one of those things where you hear the older people say, I remember when blah, 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 blah. Well, I remember plenty of blah, 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 blahs. But I... We went to the drive-in theaters and blah, 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 blah. I still do that. Yeah. Um, It's still a really fun thing to do. It is. I agree. But... The dynamic is a little different, right? I mean, first of all, drive-in theaters were a terrible idea. Yeah. Hands down, horrible idea, okay? But they're fun. Um, Sometimes you can pay for a double feature. You get Mm -hmm. two movies for like a few bucks. Yeah. It's amazing. Right. But, um, like, if society were to flip on a dime, <sighs> go stick. Um, and we woke up tomorrow, and everyone was just like housebound, basically. Yeah. I, w- I would still go out, and I would. Even if I didn't run into anyone, yeah, I would still probably go out and um, do other things because I can't. Yeah, you're very extroverted. Yeah, I am. I I really am. Yeah, I would go out and search for the one other person in America that's wandering around looking for somebody to talk to. Right. You know, like that's well, just that's just how I am. And if we look at uh. This is uh, very conspiratorial, what I'm about to say. But uh, even if we went into a state of martial law, and uh, it's not out of the realm of reality. We've been around for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, whatever. Mm -hmm. But as a civilized society, thousands of years, as a country, it's less than 300 years. So if we became a state of totalitarianism not able to leave the house i mean we're already seeing precursors of 
companies tracking where we go, knowing what we're going to do, knowing how we're going to do it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If it becomes a state of staying in your house, going in virtual reality to meet people, is that really humanity at no. that point? I don't think so either. No, absolutely not. I'd probably be shot. Yeah? Because I'd leave my house. Yeah. I would. I'd leave my house. I cannot stay in here. Right. Like, but what if you could put on a helmet and it had a little chip in your head that I connected and it felt so real that you didn't know any different? How do we know that's not where it? What how do we're I know in? it's not that it's not going to feel any different though? How do we know it's not what we're in now? Well, now you're going into like the Matrix paradigm. Yeah, and that's completely different than what you're talking about. Well, because. The idea of technology progressing so fast that we can comprehend. Me personally, I believe the government and primarily the government has technology that we don't know about. Oh, for sure. And uh, just my whole, the, the way my mind works, I guess, is I believe that there are things that we don't know about that could change our lives completely. And we have no fucking idea. Um, True, but I, I'm gonna propose this to you. Like, you're so you're talking about the, like, how do we know we're not in it right now? That's that's the matrix paradigm versus like what you're talking about is an institutional change where there's like a martial law, and someone comes up to you and straps this fucking helmet on your head. And puts a chip in your brain. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people on a certain level at that point would know what they're experiencing isn't real. See, and I don't even think it's going to be that way. I think the way that they've done it over the years is that they make us beg for it. They make us beg for the things. Um, like, uh, very gradually and slowly... We become uh, accepting, not even accepting. We, uh, the things we don't want, we slowly beg for. The whole idea of having a chip planted in our head. I'm so drunk, guys. I'm sorry, but um, I see the bottle. Yeah, I think we are uh, at a point where. It's not even something we don't want anymore. It's convenience. And we look at it as convenience and say, you know what? That'd make my life a little more convenient. Boom. One percent at a time. A hundred times, it's a hundred percent. That's true. Um, yeah, you've drank about a third of that bottle. Yeah. On your own. It's a good amount. Thank you, Evan. Like um, I said, blowjob, spin me around, make me feel good tomorrow. Well, we're still going to uh, sun sh- Sunset. Yeah, I'm still going to Sunset. Um, I like that place. But, like, I, I understand what you're saying with the, like, 1% 100 times. But I can't conceive. I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical to the point... God, there's just this 
ghost deep throating me right now. Um, <laughs> it's Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, man. Just let me ride the roller coasters at Neverland Ranch. We'll be square. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I, I can't conceive personally. There's not a lot of stuff that I'm like begging for at this point. Yeah. Like, oh, I need that. I need that. That makes my life more convenient. Like, but do you see it happening with the Apple stuff, especially like Apple Pay? You can pay like with yes, your phone. Yes, yes, yes. I I see it all the time, but I'm not part of that crowd, right? So I don't think I'd I'd fall into that. But if you're personally. not part of the crowd, you're part of the one percent. What do you become during the 1%? Do you become the ostracized weirdo? Sure. Like, that guy's a... He thinks Big Brother's coming after him. Fine. Exactly. That's how I feel, That's too. fine. You want to label me a weirdo? That's fine. I don't give a shit. I, I've i got nothing to prove to you. As I'm the a same person. way. I'm the same way. Like my wife, 100% Apple, Apple fanboy yeah. status, right? Like our fangirl status, we'll say. Right. Apple everything. She's got two Apple laptops. Yeah. One for work, one for her own shit. Right. She needed the AirPods. She wants she wanted the the watch. She's had every fucking version of the iPhone since um three G S. Right. You know. So I mean uh but you, you and I have a similar background as far as Christianity deep-rooted christian true fucking hold on us when you see the apple logo what we were taught what about the mark of the beast what did eve do she ate she ate an apple she ate an apple and what's the apple logo it's an apple apple with a a bite taken out of it right and it's weird shit like that dude like i don't consider myself at all where I was when I was raised. Right. But I see things in Revelations and yeah. all this fucking shit. And it freaks you out. It freaks me the hell out. Yeah, I'm the same way because, like, at this point in my life, and for better or worse, like, if 10 years ago, I would have been, like, pleading with myself right now to come back to uh, um, Christ and the Lutheran Church. Yeah. I would have been, like begging with tears in my eyes yeah but i still see shit that's described from the book of revelations and i'm like this ain't kosher man <laughs> like yeah, yeah. like i'm i'm like i i don't believe like do i believe a guy came and died for my sins i believe that he believed he did that right that's where I'm at. It, like, do I think that it has any sway on me as an individual now or where I spend eternity at? Probably not. It's a little creepy, though. But you go back and you, like, <laughs> specifically read the book of Revelations and you're like, well, Elon Musk, is he the Antichrist or isn't he? You know? like, Yeah. <laughs> you're just kind of like, ugh. 
Well, it does look a little bit creepy when you look into how many times this company's been bankrupt and then it gets money all of a sudden. So, to me, the whole paradigm we live in, the politics, the businesses, whatever. Dude, I 100% believe if we're having these thoughts, rich and powerful people are having these thoughts. Oh, for sure. And if that's happening, there's nothing we can do. Um, well, and but like my my whole stance on it is okay, like as of right now, I don't believe that there's a divine creator. Okay, mm-hmm. heaven, hell, I don't really believe in either. Yeah. But I know if someone started saying, like, you have to do this, or you get imprisoned for your life, the rest of your life, or killed, yeah. like, oh, we have to put a chip in your hand or your head for you to be able to live as part of a normal society, I know I would be like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. Fucking, where's the guillotine at? I'll pull the lever myself. You know, like. <laughs> but it's weird. It's so compartmentalized because we've. Uh... Over the past 40, 50 years, we've continued to go down this road. Yeah. With uh, some, I mean, they're, I mean, even Richie, and that's something me and him differ on, I think, is that he thinks there's no structure to a lot of the chaos that happens in the world. He believes in entropy, is what he believes in. I believe that if I'm smart enough to think these things, there are people that have more money than me and more power than me to also think these things. And bring them through to, like, actuation. And actually, yeah. Actually go through with it. And that's... that's. I mean, I've followed some, uh, some uh, authors of books that have written about this stuff for 15 years. And yeah. it's all happening. It's it's very creepy, actually. Like, yeah, it's fucking like, way creepy. Like if you, because um, there are there's like fiction writers out there that have like South Park and and uh, in a sense prophesied that South Park the, Simpsons. Yeah, uh, all of them have made predictions. And we just kind of write them off. Like, I think the Simpsons talked about a President Trump before it was ever a thing. Like 16 years beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. And it was almost identical right. to, like, his announcement. His announcement, somebody got into office and said we have to fix the budget, whatever. Um, it's creepy shit. Uh, but we don't think about it. And uh, I remember listening to a journalist that said this was the whole idea of the elite is that they would flaunt it in our faces. They would say, we're going to do this stuff and there's nothing you can do about it. And they put it through the media, right. which is controlled by five or six different companies. Um, it's weird shit, man. It's weird shit. We don't... Uh, America, you can be my ex-wife. But yeah, like, I mean, like, look, 2000 to 2015. It happened. Yeah. And there's somebody right here, this person drops in The a, Simpsons. Drops a sign. Drops a sign, and that person drops their sign. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's fucking bizarre. Um, I think he might need to be 
but uh yeah anyway uh i i don't know we're going on a little over three so we should probably cut it okay i don't know yeah we're well welcome back to the conspiracy we'll pick it up again shortly is it conspiracy or is it real life join us next episode this has been a conspiracy of cheap shot discussions with Caden and Dallas. Please email us at cheapshotdiscussions at gmail.com. If you don't or, like us, let us know. We're not going to listen. If you don't, but we'll, we will read it. If you don't email us, you piece of shit. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Bye.